Hey guys, this is Oak in the editing booth. This is an episode in which everything went wrong for recording. Claudia and Nicole tried to use a new program for it, and it didn't pick up some reactions and things. It's a little too heavy-handed on its noise gate. They're not using it anymore. Uh, and you'll see some further issues that will be called attention to. Uh, the episode's not bad to listen to or anything, but if somebody tells a joke and you hear no response, it's because laughter was cut off. The episode is still great though, honestly one of my favorites, so I hope you enjoy that. Without further ado, here's Claudia. The following podcast is not for children and contains discussions of adult themes. In addition, this particular episode discusses kidnapping and drunk driving. Listener's discretion is advised. And remember listeners, the dreamiest thing you can do is listen to your own needs. The Three Little Words podcast, where we read and rate romance novels on their steaminess, dreaminess, and meaniness. I'm Nicole. And I'm Claudia. And today we will be discussing a mountain retreat murder by Beth Cornelison. Corn- Cornelison? Yeah, <laughs> Cornelison Beth- sounds right. Beth Corn- I was going to say Corneliuson, but that's not correct. No, there's no second eye. It's just no. Cornelison. <laughs> Cornelison. Uh, so we are actually going back to our roots with this one, as this is a Harlequin novel that was released this year, actually, April 2022. It's been a couple of episodes since we've done a, a Harlequin. I think the last one we did was Nine Month Scandal. I believe so, yeah. So this was exciting, and you know, it this is the newest novel that we have read as of yet, so that's yeah. a little fun. This is the the book summary pulled directly from the Harlequin site. A vacation haven hides a sinister secret from the past. When a dead body is found at her family's mountain resort, manager Kate Cameron's world turns upside down. To safeguard the property and find justice, Kate enlists guest Matt Harkney, a single father trying to reconnect with his troubled teenager. While Kate and the ex-soldier investigate, undeniable desire threatens their loyalties. And when a killer looms, they must put everything on the line for the bond that's grown between them. From Harlequin romantic suspense, danger, passion, drama. Um, what do you think that summary, Nicole? Ah, uh, I you... thought it's a load of horseshit. Huge <laughs> <laughs> agree. Can we talk about how there's not a murder in this book? Oh my god, uh, spoilers. Sorry, whoa. <laughs> okay. So when we were figuring out what book we wanted to read next, we did decide like, oh, let's do a Harlequin novel again. And Harlequin has such like a, you know, diverse assortment of books that were like, oh, let's spice it up a little bit. Let's do something a little like, you know, thriller, suspensey. And based on that summary alone, I remember both of us being pretty excited. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like this is just like so grossly over exaggerated <laughs> so nicole claudia what did you did you like this book no like overall i didn't like it there were some parts that i did like but overall no i i didn't and i think also because 
One, because I think objectively it wasn't that great. But two, because again, after this fucking killer summary here, I was so looking forward to this awesome, like, thriller, horny novel and did not get anything. I didn't get any of that. Nope. So, Claudia, <laughs> what did you think of this novel? So, <laughs> I've, I have two categories for things that I dislike. For films, the worst movie I've ever seen is Seed of Chucky, but the movie that I hate the most is Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, because it just, it just personally offends me. But this is to say that this is not the worst book that we've read for this podcast, but I hated this book with every fucking core of my being. Nicole, I, I, I hate this book. I was trying not to choke on my water as you spoke. Oh my god. Oh, oh my god, please tell me more. <laughs> it's just, this is just, oh my god, there's so much about it. It's just such a nothing book. But also, just, I, I, I hate the characters. I hate the plot. I hate the lies that this book told me on the back cover. I hate the boomer values in this book. I hate that this book got my fucking daddy issues going. No! <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm so mad at this book. <laughs> oh my god, well, without further ado then, let's get into it. All right, so we have a prologue in here, which I don't think we've had a prologue in uh, any other book we've read, have we? Um, Virgin Billionaire, but honestly, it was just part of the book. Yeah, that, yeah, that didn't count. This was truly a prologue, I feel. Yeah. Also, real quick, actually, before we start, the setting of our book is based on a real place. Oh, is it? Yeah, I didn't, I was reading like the author's notes at the beginnings. It was uh, based on a, like, log cabin rental place uh, in North Carolina mm. that the author visits every year that's cute so that's kind of fun yeah like i would go there but anyway i just thought that was a fun little fact here but now actually onto the story here so we open with mary of oh, you're not gonna need to remember her name later yeah she is a housekeeper for the cameron family as they own cabins over at cameron glen retreat and she is going into this cabin to clean up after the previous guests, seeing as how in a couple of hours the new guests are set to arrive. So she goes in and she's like, something's off right away and she's feeling like really hot and she goes to like turn the heat down or turn the AC on, but it's lower than it usually is because because I guess the family doesn't like it going below 68 degrees. And she's like, wow, but it's like so hot in here. And then she gets a little bit of a case of vertigo, but she hears a bit of a commotion in the kitchen. So she goes over there and she sees two men who are like prying at the floorboards. And she's like, what are you guys doing? And also the way I read this, I read their voices in like an old timey, like gangster kind of way for some reason. <laughs> So they're they're clearly looking for something. They're saying like, oh, like you better find it. And so she comes in and she's like, what in tarnation do you fellas think you're doing? You'll ruin the floor. And so they're like, who are you? What are you doing here? And so they're like, never mind that. 
you've seen too much. And one of them, like, starts to pull out a gun. And she freaks out. But then she sees, like, spots in her eyes and just, like, collapses. She's had a heart attack. Yeah. Okay, again, she's had a heart attack. These men did not kill her. Let me look up, um, let me consult uh, the world's best lawyer, Google. <laughs> um, is it murder if someone has a heart attack near you and you don't help? <laughs> like later on in the book, they do say that they failed to provide aid. So if you can't find anything under that, maybe it's like, is it murder if you even foul play at all? I'm going to say no. Well, medical evidence leads to the conclusion that severe emotional stress can lead to cardiac death, which, if it follows a criminal act, can be the basis for the, a charge of homicide. This is from the U.S. Office of Justice Programs. But she was experiencing symptoms before yeah, she exactly. saw the guys. I'm going to say no. I feel like if we have to look it up, it doesn't count. Yeah, exactly. Like this, it, it, at that point, it's just a fucking like technicality. That's like some like mind game shit that lawyers play so they can like win their case. Like no, yeah. like no, this is not ex like express. It's not murder. I ref yeah. refuse to acknowledge it as such. This is mountain retreat attempted murder at best. Later in the book, criminal negligence. You know what? They could have even said worst. like mountain retreat mystery yeah shit like that yeah like that would have worked but murder there's no there is no murder in this book at all <laughs> like losing my goddamn mind also can we talk about the balls on this lady seeing two like obvious criminals in this cabin and being like what in tarnation do you fellas think you're doing this like tired 62 year old woman like, that's my mother's age. I'm just imagining my mother walking in on, like, two criminals being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> in her very, like, thick Peruvian accent. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, ooh, so the, the prologue ends with her crying for help. Help me, she rasped as she crumbled. When she, oh, crumpled, not crumbled, like a cookie. <laughs> when she gasped for another breath, her vision dimmed. So now we flash forward probably a couple hours. Uh, oh, yeah, because she says it's like 1.30 when that happens and the guests aren't supposed to arrive until 3. So it's about it's an hour and a half later. So the prologue takes place like just a couple hours beforehand. But at some point, Matt says that they arrived early. Oh, so the prologue takes place like 20 minutes before anything happens. <laughs> I guess. Oh, here it is. Why should I? You can't, can't you check us in by yourself? I can, but we're a little early. We may have to wait a while for our cabin to be ready. Maybe they arrive literally as she dies. Oh. Thanks, Matt. Well, I think they said that she's a little cold. So how quick does your oh, okay. how, does your body get cold? Well, anyway, forensics aside, they show up <laughs> within like an hour of her dying, probably. Yeah, no, the... <laughs> she didn't do her research. It takes 12 hours for a human body to be cool to the touch. Is that, what, is that true? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well. <laughs> <laughs> plot hole, well, ding. Oh, plot hole number one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one begins with introduction to our main lead and his son. So we have Matt Harkney and his son, his 16-year-old son, Eric. 
who are visiting Cameron Glen Retreat in an effort to reconnect. We learn early on that Eric's been having some issues and also holds a lot of resentment towards his father for a number of reasons, and they do get into that later on. But the main one that we see right now being that his parents are divorced and his mother has full custody with his father only having custody over the weekends or something. Three other weekend. It seems like Matt does not have a lot of custody over this kid. Not at all. Yeah. So yeah, so this, their, their little summer getaway is an effort to reconnect. Matt is also a writer, so he's going to take this opportunity to write. Also, to try to get Eric on the straight and narrow, you know, because he's a bit of a troublemaker. Yep. We don't know yet what Eric's huge crimes that they want mm. to keep him out of trouble for are, but... Your friends, he paused a beat to let the sarcasm in his tone sink in, are the reason I brought you here. I'm trying to keep you out of trouble. Save your neck before you end up a junkie or in jail or save the lecture. I've heard it before. My note for that was this is the plot of every single father-son bonding movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, later, uh, Eric tells him to step off, a thing that, of course, all teens say in the year of our Lord 2022. Step off, Dad. Jesus Christ. I said it already, but this book has such boomer values. Can we, let's take this opportunity, I think, to look a bit into our author, unless you've done that already. I've not yet, actually. Oh, okay. I've looked at her picture, and her picture looks pretty old, and she looks like she's in her 30s or maybe 40s here. I think she's maybe been using this picture for a while. Oh, okay. Beth Cornelison. Let's look you up, Beth. Not to, like, directly attack our author or anything. I just want to know because you can tell when something is written by somebody not of that demographic. Yeah. For example, so I don't know if you've heard. This is, like, relatively new news as of recording. But there has been, there's a new Marvel what if. And it's what if Miles Morales became Thor. Okay. Which was, like, a really fucking cool concept. The art is great. The writer isn't black. Uh, and so at one point, Miles Morales says, by Odin's fade, and I wanted to yeet myself <laughs> off my balcony. It's just so like, oh, like it's, it's so too much. And also, it's like you're fucking Marvel. What, you can't hire, a, you can't afford to hire a black writer for that? Jesus Christ. Anyway, but yeah, uh, like you, you can tell when something is written by somebody who is not a part of like that character's demographic who doesn't share any similarities with that character yeah it's like we've read books about younger characters being written by older people on this podcast before i think the two most notable ones are virgin to redeem the billionaire we told ourselves that we weren't going to talk about past books so much but virgin to redeem billionaire and love me whole i think those are the two most notable ones i i don't think that nikki james is particularly old i think she's like maybe 45 at most which is she's like gen x but i'm pretty sure danny collins is in her 50s maybe early 60s mm-hmm. danny collins if you're like 40 i'm so sorry <laughs> um but danny collins is at least 50 and you can tell like our main characters were like 23 and i'm gonna say like 30 maybe 35 at most kane michaels straight up had a kids these days line mm-hmm. for pe- for and- people who are at least like 
I want to say at at youngest, 21 to 24. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the age of his girlfriend in this in the beginning of whatever. Okay. We're not the age of our heroine. Anyway. <laughs> and then Love Me Whole was I don't know, it felt pretty modern, even though Vaughn was an old man. It felt more <laughs> like a character trait than just like something about the writing. Yeah. Oh no, totally agreed. So this had a lot of uh a lot of boomer energy. Yeah. Sorry, Beth. I think I think Beth is about to re- replace Portia more for my punching bag. Oh no! <laughs> Sorry, Portia. Oh no! <laughs> anyway, his his kids are good for nothing. Apparently, he's a sarcastic bullshit. Yeah. So they show up to the main office of this uh, little retreat. And we are introduced to our heroine, Kate Cameron. That's Kate spelled C-A-I-T, for all those wondering, because yep. I know everyone was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and her niece, Fen, which, <laughs> so I have the, the Nook version of this book, right? And so I was taking, usually I take notes in my notebook, but I'm like, let me be modern today and take notes within the app. And so I highlighted Fen's introduction and my note just says Fen. Like, <laughs> so I, never, I don't know what I was thinking there, but I never it finished. It is an odd name. I never finished my thought, or maybe that was my thought. I don't know. <laughs> so, so Fen, you know, says her like a little polite hello and then immediately directs her attention to Eric, who is described as his six foot two son with the swarthy skin tone and chiseled bone structure he'd inherited from his mother. Eric's raven bangs hung in his eyes, but he flipped them back with a toss of his head. He gave the girl a casual glance, obviously trying to play it cool. Uh, which my note there is just like, why, <laughs> like, why go into such detail, like describing the attractiveness of this teenager? Listen, I was so much more interested in this teenager than in Matt. So, okay. Oh, so like not to jump too far ahead... But Eric's my favorite character. Yeah, Eric yeah. slaps, to Eric's, be honest. Yeah, like, he has some times where I'm just like, oh, you fucking little shit. But, like, he's a teenager. Can't yeah. fault him for that. But he has some, like... When I said at the beginning that there were parts of this that I actually really liked, it was it was the parts with Eric in it. Yeah. He has some pretty fun parts that are later on in the book. Because he also does some really shitty things that I'm not, like... I wasn't super happy with. But he did have some yeah. fun parts, too. So now it's, like... They say here it was Matt's turn to try to act cool because the brunette behind the counter flashed him a knock him dead smile. So right off the bat, his attraction to Kate is apparent. And so, yeah, so Kate Cameron, property manager, is like, hey, what's up? Welcome. Here are your keys. You're in this cabin. It's over there. Let me know if you need anything. (laughs) Let me know if you find a dead body. I'm going to start asking or telling that to people. Be like, hey, like, cool. Have fun. Let me know if you find a dead body. Like, this is a casual, like, farewell. Yeah. You know, in high school, my AP psych teacher, she used to, we had her at the end of the day. On Fridays, she used to end classes by saying, don't get arrested. I mean, good. it's good advice. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Matt for a second, because right off the bat, they're like, oh, he's very observant and shit like that. Mm-hmm. If I had 
a nickel for every time they mentioned that he was in the military police and is also a writer, I would be fucking loaded oh right now. I'd be able to buy like a fucking house in the middle of Boston where price of living is ridiculously expensive. This book is so repetitive. Oh my god, so repetitive. It just it does not stop. There's one part where it's like they've mentioned that he's in the military police like like three or four times at that point. And then he says, police investigations, a detail about his military career he'd not mentioned before. And it's like, yes, you have mentioned it several times, Matt. Oh Matt, you god. will not stop talking about how you were a military cop. Oh my god, it's, oh god. They mention it so many times, and, and a lot of the times they mention it, it's like, military police turned writer, military police turned writer, hence his, like, attention to detail. It's like, bruh, and there are also some times, oh my god, I can, I'm trying not to, like, go off completely because we haven't gotten to these parts yet, but there are parts where he's, like, talking about his attention to detail, and it's like, anybody would have fucking noticed that, you're not special, exactly. Matthew. <laughs> Matthew thinks so highly of himself. I want to fucking punch him in the throat. Anyway. Let's, okay. Center. Center. <laughs> think, think about Kate Michaels. Oh, Kate Michaels. <laughs> Back to the story. <laughs> we're not even 15 pages in yet. <laughs> oh, we're on page 17, according to my book. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Matt is kind of like, you know, teasing Eric a little bit. Like, oh, you know, that girl was kind of cute, huh? Because he noticed that. Because uh, he's his, his powerful <laughs> uh, <laughs> observation <laughs> skills. <laughs> Uh, Look with to, your special eyes, Matt. <laughs> managed to pick up on the fact that Eric, you know, was kind of like, like glancing at Fen with a bit of interest. So then Eric is just like, oh, well, you were checking out that old lady. And Matt's like, oh, she's not old. She's probably like 30, no more than 35. How old is Matt? I don't think they ever say, but he's got a 16-year-old son. My guess is he's like 40 to 45. Yeah, he's got to be. Because my dad is like 60 this year, and I'm 29, and he had me when he was on the older side, like 30, so I'm going to like beautiful mind this right now. My dad had <laughs> me when he was, oh yes, my, my dad birthed me, uh, <laughs> not in this case. Uh, my rights. <laughs> you transferred, it's happy Pride Month as of time of recording, but also happy Pride yeah. Forever. Yeah, my dad was 40 when I was born. So he, okay. was on, he was on the older side. How old am I? I'm turning 28 this year, so he's turning 68. <laughs> yeah, I would say he's 45. Let's just go with that. Yeah, I think that works. I think that's pretty, that's pretty reasonable, having, having a kid when you're like 30, 31. Yeah. But still, like, he's, he's Gen X. Like, yeah. our friends, the Gianu system, are, they turned 40 this year. And they, we still relate to them. And they're like eight years older than us. Wait, 12 years older than us. Wait, <laughs> 11 years older than us. <laughs> Fuck. I have friends who are like in their 40s and stuff. I, like, I have a friend who has a son who is, I think, turning 21 this year. And like she and I do like find a lot of common ground on stuff too. Like she's fun. So it's like for him to be... All right, so let's get into their relationship a little bit more yeah. before it like comes up. Because I feel, I mean, there there is a lot of reason for Eric to be as 
resentful towards his father as he is, but like Matt's like super out of touch where mm -hmm. it's just like, I feel like, like I know this happens, but it's almost like so out of touch to the point where it's like, frankly, un like, it's kind of, it, un in, in my opinion, I feel like it's pretty unbelievable because at that point, it's just like, I feel like it's just a lack of common sense. Mm -hmm. I am not a parent and I will never be unless you count my cat. But even, I feel like it's, I was about to say parenting's not that hard. No, it is. But like in, in certain aspects of parenting, it's just like sometimes you just got to fucking use your eyes and your ears to listen to your children. It's like, he's just fucking clueless. Yeah. Which I think is like the point, but also like, Jesus Christ, like to what extent, man? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know most of us have had like, we've had some problems with our parents, especially during our teenage years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but even then, it's just like, Jesus Christ, like, listen. Just just fucking listen to him. And not even just listening, just a pay. This man's so fucking observant, and yet he can't, like... <laughs> and yet he can't, like, pick up on the fact that his son is, like, clearly resentful for, like, very, very obvious reasons. Matt is literally the me and empath meme. He's like me, the observant writer. <laughs> My son is yelling at me. I think he might be angry. Like, no. <laughs> wow, good job. <laughs> Congratulations, Matt, on your powers of observation. I envy you as a fellow writer myself. Mm. God, I wish I had his skill set. All you have to do is join the military police and you're all set. Uh, oh, what's that? Oh, I have a recruiter right here if you're interested. Oh my god. Oh my god. Remember when the military, the US Army, like, got a Twitch channel? Yeah! And then they, they like, turned it on so you could only uh, send a message if you were a follower. Because people kept saying war crimes in their chat. Which I would follow them to comment war crimes in their yeah. chat. Uh, we gotta give the okay. topic. <laughs> okay, yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. Okay, well, we're never gonna get past this page. We're still on page seventeen on my, my notebook because I want I want to bring something else. You, okay, I didn't think this episode was going to be super long, but there's so much to like make fun of because it's just like so fucking annoying. For real. Okay, can we talk about how I? We're already talking about how I hate Matt and we hate yes. his parenting skills. Yes. A quote after quote Eric's only reply was another glower and eye roll. Good lord, give him the patience and strength this summer to not kill his son. No point keeping Eric from turning into a petty criminal if it made Matt a murderer in the process. It's like, sentence one, normal. Sentence two, taking it way too far. Yeah, like Jesus Christ. I, I understand that their relationship is strained at this point. I understand that teenagers can be frustrating. It, they don't need to take it that far. Yeah. Fucking Matt. Mm -hmm. So after Eric points out her being older and Matt being like, oh, no, she's like 30, 35 tops. Eric says like, oh, like, that's old to me. To which Matt says, uh-huh, we'll see how old it is when you're 30. Uh, but since you mentioned it, yes, I noticed how attractive she is. Same as I noticed how nice these grounds are. I have an eye for detail. Comes with the territory in my profession. Uh, Eric, says, <laughs> Eric says, which profession would that be? Army cop, fiction writer, or hard-ass father? Matt let the hard-ass moniker slide. He knew Eric disliked the rigid stance Matt had taken in recent months, but so be it. 
All of the above, actually. My military deployment required vigilance and an eye for subtleties. And as a writer, I like to notice details about people, smells, scenery. It's, it helps create a more vivid picture when I'm describing scenes. Getting into character psyches, writing your kids back about his every move, Eric grumbled. Okay, that's like two paragraphs, and they mention him being a fucking military cop and a writer more than once. Yeah, you've heard that page. You've read this book. Yes, you, you've read a good, like, 80% of this book. Yep. It's so much. So, you know, they're getting into their little, like, spat or whatever, and Eric's like, oh, this is bullshit. And Matt's like, don't say that. Eric's like, oh, you're the word police, too? I thought you believed in the First Amendment, Mr. I'm a writer now. Or wasn't that why you went to <laughs> Afghanistan and got your leg blown up to defend American freedom? Or just the freedoms you choose that I can't have? Again, <laughs> mention of him being a writer and also in the military. <laughs> I forgot I wrote this, but my note here says this son is absolutely, is absolutely pog-pilled. <laughs> so in response to that, Matt says, Yes, Eric, I went to defend freedoms, yours and a whole lot of other people's, both here and other places around the world. My note for that was, like, was debatable, but okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> they say that exact line some point later, and I highlighted it being like, yeah, the propaganda has gotten you real deep, huh? Nicole, do we want to talk about our, our background? Let's talk about the military right now. Let's give our preface of yes. of why that... Okay, my father was in the military, as was his father, and like most, if not all, of his siblings, um, as well as probably some of my cousins. So I consider myself to be from a military family. Military blows. It's, it's an institution that chews you up and spits you out. To be honest, veterans are, are like so fucking downtrodden, just like cast aside once America is fucking done with them. And I don't know, the, the fucking post 9-11 brainwashing of like support our troops and like the military can do nothing wrong shit that this book is honestly taking part in right now it's ridiculous i i just i agree with bojack horseman when i say sometimes the troops are assholes i okay so while you were uh saying that i did i was going to voice my opinion on the military and how it could just be summed up with bojack horseman and i pulled yeah. the quote up to read it where uh, Tom Jumbo Grumbo says, Well, Bojack, surely even you would agree that the troops are heroes. To which Bojack says, I don't agree to that. Maybe some of the troops are heroes, but not automatically. I'm sure a lot of the troops are jerks. Most people are jerks already. And it's not like giving a jerk a gun and telling him it's okay to kill people suddenly turns that jerk into a hero. Yeah, honestly, that's, yeah. that's who Matt seems to be. A jerk who was given a gun and told to it was okay to kill people now he's a hero but he doesn't like that term that comes up later on because he's like i'm no hero but also i do i do feel i mean like the only reason he says that i feel is just because we want to like sympathize with him yeah we want to he's humble or whatever yeah. like no he's like this great man he's done so much i do know that people who have seen like actual combat and aren't like fucking nut jobs already mm. are very much like that like they don't yes. they don't like the hero term they don't they actually i i know that a lot of people who were in the military and again aren't nut jobs 
do not like the thank you for your service shit. It makes them feel weird. Yeah. No, I actually, I, I have heard that too. And I actually have a friend who did go to Afghanistan mm-hmm. and yeah, like he, he hates that shit. Yeah. My grandfather like, was so in weird. Vietnam. Yeah. He said that anybody who, for example, would put like a bumper sticker on their car being like, I served in the, in the military and I'm proud or whatever shit. He would be like, those people never saw combat. I have a tremendous amount of respect for anybody who like enlists because I I couldn't do that. Like straight up, I know what I am and I'm not capable of and I would never be able to do that. But you cannot ignore the fact that a lot of these people are only in the military to gain benefits that we as the fucking apparently greatest country on earth should already have. Exactly. And in terms of like what your grandfather said, it's kind of like that fine line between patriotism and nationalism. Yeah. And that's exactly how I see it, where it's like I have met people who have served, who have seen combat, and they are some of the most humble people I have ever met. And I have also met people who have clearly never seen combat and are just fucking assholes. Yep. But are like, oh, yeah, like, I'm in the military and, like, I'm so fucking cool. And it's, it's, it's like, painful. Yeah. Honestly, interacting with these people. My grandfather never talked about his, his time in the war. Yeah. That's it. That's, I mean. That's it. So, I don't know. What I'm, what I'm saying is, like. Yes, we do need to support our troops, but supporting our troops it is not thank you for your service. It's not giving them discounts. It's not pushing people to join the fucking military. It's the fact that suicides are so prevalent amongst veterans. Homelessness is prevalent amongst veterans. That's the shit that needs to be supported. That, and there are so, so, so many female service members mm-hmm. who have come forward about sexual assault, sexual harassment, and all of those cases have been either completely swept under the rug or totally thrown out because they're not taken seriously. Yeah. So, yes, supporting our troops doesn't mean all that, honestly, nonsensical bullshit. It means treating these people as people and thanking them for doing something that most of us can't do. And also, it means respecting their humanity and not fucking causing wars in places just to fucking start a war yeah. which our country loves to do i love that for us yeah i'm really angry <laughs> i can't believe this book turned us into a political podcast it, yeah <laughs> i mean we we're getting this out early on so yeah okay let's get into the actual <laughs> okay. plot of the book because we've been talking yes. about everything else but the plot of this book for like an hour it's been an hour something like i mean it's been at least 30 or 40 minutes all right so they're teasing each other matt has amazing inhuman skills of observation so their cabin is supposedly unlocked because the housekeeper would have left the doors open for them so we can see that this is a very trusting community People aren't locking their doors. They do mention that there's like no security, essentially like no cameras because they like to give everybody their privacy. So it's like, yeah, just go ahead and go on in there. So Eric goes in first, stops dead in his tracks. Uh, Matt 
pretty much crashes into him and they see a dead body on the floor, which we come to learn is Mary from the prologue. Matt instructs Eric to go back to the office, tell them what they found, and to tell the office to call the police and the coroner because she's dead. So Eric shows up to the office and tells Kate what's going on and Fen's there. And so, so something happens here where Fen is clearly distressed, and for good reason, because we've, we, we learned that and this is a family-run place, like the entire family pretty much has some kind of hand in the business here where like one of the brothers does like the groundskeeping and the landscaping kate is you know she's the manager of the property and so it's a very it's very close-knit and then everybody who they employ too is essentially just extended family so fen is obviously rattled you know that somebody died on the property and so is kate because all they know right now that it is that it's a woman, so they don't know who it is right off the bat. So she's like, "Oh, it could be my mom. It could be my grandmother. Oh, it could be the housekeeper." For some reason, I I guess I glanced over that part, but yeah, that is fucking scary. It's scary, and you know, I mean, for anybody, but then you also have Fen, who's just who's what like fifteen, sixteen. Uh, yeah. They don't say her age, but she's around Eric's age. She's older and than fourteen, is all we know. Yeah, so 15 or 16, let's say 16. Yeah. Kate hugs Fen in order to console her, and then she also hugs Eric. Yeah, I kind, I kind of like that, to be honest. Then, because Eric looks to, <laughs> looked as if he could use a hug as well, she stepped over to the boy and embraced him also. I'm so sorry your visit has started in such a terrible manner. We'll do everything we can to make it up to you. Eric looped his arms loosely around her. Um, sure, whatever. I'm just thinking about the fact that I just don't like being touched, and then oh, yeah. especially by strangers. I'm like, okay, first of all, he didn't exchange a single word with this woman before. They've True. known each other all of 37 seconds. He sees a dead body, and then he goes back, and then he gets a hug from her. Yeah, I liked it in a character way, but if anyone did that to me, I would be pretty upset. Oh yeah, so when she pulls away from Eric, she notices like how much he resembles his father or whatever. So but she's like, oh, you know, like this guy has a son, so he's like probably here with his wife too. And so she's like, oh, please send my apologies to your parents. And he says, oh, it's just my dad. My folks are divorced. Which, uh, what was my note for that? <laughs> Wingman Eric providing unnecessary details, but okay, good looks, my man. <laughs> Uh, and then I have another note here when uh, Kate was thinking about how attractive Matt is. Nothing gets me hornier than thinking about a hot man while figuring out the circumstances of someone's death on my property. And then like the <laughs> moaning emoji. <laughs> uh, so the police show up, ACAB. They say that there's no obvious physical evidence of anything amiss besides a broken lamp and a wooden bear on the floor in the bedroom. They're like, she died of natural causes. Basically, she mm -hmm. she most likely fell and knocked over the lamp and the other and the bear statue when she collapsed. Yeah. So at this point, like, like they haven't said that that is for sure what happened because the coroner might say something else. But based on the evidence alone, that is what it looked like. There's like no evidence of foul play. Can we talk about how like for most of this book, Matt has no reason to suspect anything? Yes. OK, that was my note. So, OK, Claudia, mm -hmm. you walk into this room. You see a woman on the ground. You don't see any, like, because he, he got close to the body to check her pulse and everything. You don't see any blood. Mm -hmm. You don't see any, like, markings on the neck if she was, like, strangled or something. Would your mind immediately go to murder? No. My mind yeah. would be she probably had a heart attack or a stroke or something. Yeah. 
But I guess it's just, it's the writer in him that is trying to, like... Trying to piece together something that's not there? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is, like, you know, kind of relatable, but also, like, it, this, I mean, under different circumstances, a woman is dead, sir. Exactly. Relax. Matt is such a fucking asshole, like... He's such an asshole! He, later on, he tells Kate that he... We're jumping around a little bit here, but he I... tells Kate that he was a true crime writer... And I think he wrote for some newspaper for a true crime section or something. I don't know if newspapers have true crime sections that aren't like the police blotter or whatever. But, um, and Kate is like, are you going to write about this and make my family business, my like 150 year old family business look bad? And he's like, no, no, probably not. And it's like, he can't even promise to her he's not going to write this. So she asks him that a couple of times and for good reason and the first time he doesn't even like say no and she notices mm -hmm. that he doesn't say no eventually he does say no but then we get inner monologue and he's like oh well you know he'll just pocket this information for later exactly and it's just like what a fucking asshole We're like i understand the temptation listen i am fascinated by true crime you know i when I was like 12, I was watching Forensic Files with my dad and we would watch like <laughs> marathons of this shit. But at the same time, you have to be sensitive. Like these are real people. And I've seen, especially recently, because there's been like, it, within recent years, there's been this huge true crime boom where so many mm -hmm. people are getting interested in it, where people who are like the loved ones of people who have been brutally murdered and shit have been harassed essentially by people trying to trying to quote figure out what's going on and like families have been very adamant that you know like documentaries and shit not be made and i know not too long ago hulu made a documentary that the family begged them not to make about this girl's murder and so it's like listen as a writer i understand the temptation don't be a fucking asshole and that goes for like other writers and it goes for anybody making like true crime content these are fucking people you have a, a duty as a writer and as a journalist, because he, when you're writing true crime, you are essentially a journalist. Yes. You have a duty as a journalist to not fuck your clients, essentially, your, your sources, to not, to not fuck shit up for people, to yeah. be ethical in some fucking way, because you can easily ruin someone's life. Very easily. easily. And... You know, aside from even ruining people's lives, it's just like you're hurting people. Exactly. And that's like really fucked up. Like, you know, there are rare, rare, rare exceptions where something truly good comes from that. I'm thinking of um, like Michelle McNamara and the Golden State Killer where her interest in it like kind of sparked this whole movement to like look more into the investigation using like, new technology and shit. And it's like, you know, and that paid off. They found him. Yeah. Rest in peace, Michelle rest in peace that's not always the case that's the very rare exception you know exactly. so and even then she was be she was very good about it where i i watched the the documentary on on hbo and even survivors were coming up and saying that she was very very respectful and very you know tactful and just sensitive towards the whole thing and if you're gonna do shit like that and walk this very fine line you gotta do it right and Matt's being a fucking asshole. Yeah. For the record, wasn't the Golden State Killer a cop? Yeah, he was. A, he, he was a cop. And I think he was discharged after being like a piece of shit. 
Joseph James D'Angelo Jr. is an American serial killer, serial rapist, burglar, and former police officer. Big oof. One of those things is exactly like the others. <laughs> One of these things is exactly like the others. Now that that whole true crime shit's over, Matt's a fucking asshole. Yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a very stressful situation, to say the least. Matt and Kate just talk for a little bit, where she's like apologizing. Oh my god, like I'm so sorry. How do I make this up to you? And he's like, listen, did you kill her? And she's like, what? No. He's like, cool, then you have nothing to apologize for. He says something here, or he's like, he does something, where he says, all right, let me get Eric uh, and get out of your way. You know where to find me if you need me. And then he winks at her. So my notes here are, babe, please, now is not the time. <laughs> and uh, sir, this is not the time to be flirting. Because, okay, do you find when somebody winks at you, do you find that to be a sexy thing? No, I find it creepy and annoying. Me too. <laughs> so, <laughs> she had winked at and it gave her a small tingle like she used to experience when Greg Allen would notice her in high school. Yeah, I like the weird name drop of this person that doesn't come up ever again. Ever again. It's like, I, I looked at him and was like, did I miss a book? I, I swear this was Cameron Glenn number one. And as far as I can tell, no. <laughs> Nope. Because I was like, is this another is this another wildfire griffin situation where I've missed a whole series? Like, not even that, but going into this thinking it's a murder mystery, but it just being a mystery. Mm. When I read books like this, I like to try to figure it out on my own yeah. to see if I can get it before the end. So I'm like, all right, I'm remembering that name. Never comes up again. Nope. <laughs> so did you um did you figure it out before the end? Yes. Yeah. It was it very becomes, easy to put together. Yeah, very obvious halfway through. Very obvious. Oh, so, you know, he, he walks away and we have Kate's sister who's like, mm, he's yummy. Exact words. Yeah. And Kate's like, oh, my God, like, Isla. And she's like, well, don't you think he's good looking? The wavy black hair and square jaw mm, and that bod. I thought writers were pale and scrawny from too many hours inside at their computer. He looks like he works out. And I thought you knew better than to stereotype. Besides, he's a guest, so wipe that drool off your chin and behave yourself. Writers rights. <laughs> Kate says writers are hot. Writers are people too, okay? <laughs> so Matt's thinking about this, right? And yeah, I actually I highlighted a bit here in my with a question saying, would murder be the first place your mind goes to? And no, it <clears throat> wouldn't be. But he, he's got it set in his brain that it's like a murder. He's he, So he's thinking like, all right, who would have had access to the cabin? And, and you know, uh, do these people have like any enemies or some shit? Like what's going on? And it's like, dude, relax. Matt is so lucky he's in a book. So lucky. And also he's so lucky that there was some, not necessarily foul play in, the, in terms of Mary's death, but in general, I guess. Yeah. Because imagine, imagine if there wasn't, like there's just this fucking asshole who's over here and it's like, oh, what if it's a murder? And it's just like, bro, no, like this woman just died of natural yeah. causes. Relax. That's Matt in real life. And Eric actually asks him too. He says, geez, dad, I know that. Look, you're wanting to write about this, aren't you? Yeah. Even Eric is just like, I fucking know. So, so Matt responds with what? And Eric says, you, you finding that murdered lady is like Christmas to you, a gift. Matt says, don't be crass. A woman died. There's nothing good about that. And then Eric says, but you were thinking about it just then, weren't you? I saw the look in your eyes that said your mind was back at the crime scene. Yeah. So er listen, again, Eric, best character, 
He knows mm-hmm. what the, Eric is far more observant than his father. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. E- Eric, if you're listening. <laughs> Friend of the show, Eric, know that you are valid in feeling that your dad's an asshole because he is. Exactly. It's not just you, babe. It's true. That's just the truth. Also, they order a pizza and Kate brings it because she's like, oh, it's the least I could do is like pay for it when it came in. And then they invite her to share it with them. And they have this wonderful line. He stepped back to let her inside and caught a whiff of something sweet and floral as she passed him. Forget pizza. She smelled good to him and it fed a different sort of hunger in his core. It's like, yes, this is the meme shit I wanted. My note for that was, sir, you just walked in on a dead lady. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and this is when he he tells her that he is a writer. Or, well, she knows that he's a writer, but he goes into it. So he's currently working on a military suspense, which let's take a little pause from this real quick. Throughout the book, there are excerpts of the book he is working on. Claudia, did you read that? Oh, no. I fucking skipped over it. Uh, when mm-hmm. I first caught on, because the, the first instance of that is like in a couple of chapters. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Who's like Bellingrath or whatever fucking weird name he picked? And I was like, I'm not reading this. This is, this is not pertinent to the plot. A good writer, sorry, Beth, would have like maybe had it, had it mirror the plot in some way. And that would be fun. I still would have skipped it, but it would have been fun. Uh, now, these just... Beth, just write a spy thriller if you want to write that. Exactly. I know Harlequin is probably better money, but you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because it, I mean, having those excerpts in there was totally pointless. If I wrote this... What I would do is like, okay, if I were to include that in there, again, I would have it mirror what's happening. And then in some a cheesy act of love or something, I would have him delete his manuscript because he wanted to respect her wishes of not turning the events of Cameron Glenn into this whole like story. Yeah, exactly. He's not even writing true crime or like fictional crime. He's writing Tom Clancy. Yes, literally Tom Clancy. But yeah, yeah, he does mention that that he is working on a military suspense uh where he was after years of having to write like true crime and a bunch of other stuff, uh they, they were finally allowing him I guess to write his own his own fiction. Huge mistake. <laughs> Which <laughs> sweetie, if, if this isn't that's not your calling, hun. Let's go back to true crime because apparently <laughs> we're somewhat decent at that. Okay, so we're we're in, we're in chapter three here, and they're still having dinner. Mm-hmm. And I did highlight this one part. Kate is now trying to, you know, engage Eric in conversation, and she's like, "Oh, so like, what do you like? Are you a writer like your dad?" And he's like, "Fuck no." Well, he says, "He says God no," because they're not allowed to say fuck. Mm-hmm. Not if I can help it. I like normal stuff, video games, EDM. To and Matt's like, "Oh, that's electric dance music." Eric grunted, "Electronic dance music." And so. <laughs> In response to that, Kate says, oh, right, like Dead Mouse." And my note here was like, what year was this written? The next line, Eric shrugged. Well, yeah, he's old school, though. And then my note was, oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised I, kn- I knew one of the creators that he mentions. He says, I'm more about Atlas, yeah, Atlas, Avicii, and Marshmallow. And it's like, I know Marshmallow. He's in Fortnite. Which they all should mention in this book. They named up Fortnite twice. I was so happy. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Best part of the book is when they mentioned Fortnite. But yeah, I know Marshmallow and I know Avicii. The other one I don't know. But yeah, I the reason I had that for Dead Mouse is because all right, so I'm I'm turning 28 next month. Uh, so in in July, and uh, next month we mean I, two months ago by the time this comes out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We, we record ahead. Uh, no. Time. No. No. So, <laughs> turning 28 July 2022 and. When I was a senior in high school, so 2011, 2012, 
my sister and I went to a Dead Mouse concert, and that was like at his peak, and that was ten years ago. He played at a uh, the Minecraft 1.0 like premiere conference thing they did. Minecraft 1.0. Yeah, that was wow. Uh, that was November 11th, 2011. Damn. Mm-hmm. So that that's why I was like, what year was? I'm like, are we sure that this was written this year? Because I forgot. But I had then to go and like, check oh, okay, too. He's old school. Yeah. Literally at that part is when I had to check again because I, I felt like Dead Mouse was a more dated reference, but at least they like covered for that. Yeah. So good job, Beth. She did two seconds of Googling. We never figured out how old Beth is. No. Because I'm wondering if she has like a child or probably a grandchild at this point who plays Fortnite because that would, you know, cover the Fortnite references and the and Marshmallow because Marshmallow is in Fortnite. So maybe that's how she knew of Marshmallow. Yeah. But also, he's had some, like, mainstream radio hits, him and Avicii. Yeah, sure. At last, maybe I don't listen to the radio much anymore. I don't know. Anyway, at least that was covered, and it wasn't just, like, a super dated reference, because he was like, oh, if he was like, oh, yeah, Dead Mouse, I'd be like, all right, that's... Yeah. He's he's not exactly relevant anymore. I like that he references, like, yeah, Dead Mouse is EDM, and he's, he's fine. <laughs> but he's old. Listen, Dead Mouse back in the day, though, that was my shit. Mm-hmm. All right, so we learned the terms of Eric's punishment. punishment yeah, his sentence. His, his sentence. So he is barred from using any electronics over the summer. And he mentions that because Kate mentions that, what is it, her sibling, her, her nephew or some shit? Her sibling. Because they adopted him. Yeah, they adopted Her yes. parents adopted him. Yes, okay. So Dylan uh, is, he's, I think he's, what, Dylan? 14, they say? Was his name Daryl? Daryl, Daryl, Daryl. Yeah. Yeah. He was 14, yeah. Yeah, so he's like, oh, like, you know, he's a little younger, younger than you, but he likes video games. And Matt's like, uh, no, 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 no video games. Remember, no technology for the summer. He is only allowed one hour on his phone every day to call his mother and check his social media. How long do you think his mom takes on the phone? So it's less than an hour, really. Ex yeah, because, listen, I talk to my mother fairly often because she worries about me <laughs> because I'm <laughs> 27 years old and single. And, starting um, a podcast. <laughs> start, starting a podcast. So clearly my life is in shambles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I would say that if we talk three times a week, we're on the phone for at least like half an hour each time. Mm -hmm. And does he call his mother every day? Maybe that's part of the terms of his sentence or whatever, because she worries yeah. about him, too, because she was the one who apparently wasn't able to, like, wrangle him in because she has custody most of the time. And so Matt now has to be, like, the hard-ass parent to get Eric's shit together. Yeah. So, okay, me, again, not a parent to a human child. I understand that Eric is being punished. But I also feel like that is way too fucking far. It's not like he's going to spend 24 hours a day over at Daryl's house playing video games. Yeah, I would even like loosen it a little bit to be like once a week he can go play with video games with Daryl for like a couple hours. Say even more than that, like if because one of his biggest issues with Eric right now is that he was hanging out with a with a bad crowd. Mm -hmm. Daryl's a 14 year old kid who plays video games and is you know part of this pretty wholesome seeming family yeah like let him hang out with him you know if they want to play fortnite together like let them boomer values 
yeah, it's not like he's going to give him a fucking switch that he can take back to his place and <laughs> play all night, you know? It's like, no, like, when you go over there, this is a good family, good kid, fun. But also, it's like, if I see you going over there 15 hours a day, every day, then that's a problem. Exactly. But that's not going to happen, you know? Maybe, like, be a good and mindful parent. Listen, we can only ask for so much, all right? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> thank you thank you for your service matt thank you for your service as, as a father yeah <laughs> jessica thank you for your cervix uh as his ex <laughs> so he comments on how pretty the place is he winks at her again which is like stop it that's yeah. some fucking old man shit let me tell you that mm -hmm. stop it get some help i have never had people seriously wink at me if they were under the age of 45 and hitting on me mm -hmm. wait no as in, only men who are over 45 and hitting on me have ever winked at me in a manner that's like, you know, serious. Everyone else has just been doing it, has only done it to be comical. and It's been like super over the top, like what you would see on, on stage or something. Yeah. Also, around this point, we learn what, what horrible things Eric did oh to land God. him in this situation. So I'm saying that with a sarcastic tone. It's going to sound fucked up when I say what he did. But listen, I will explain. Jessica, my ex, thinks she smelled pot on him a time or two. And he came home drunk one night about a month ago he'd been driving. So, the second part, terrible. Do not do that, Eric. Do not do that, listeners. But the fact that he first of all lists, oh my god, he might have smelled like pot a couple of times as a 16-year-old in fucking North Carolina or whatever. Thinks she smelled pot on him a exactly. time or two. Maybe he's into witchcraft and they're burning sage. Or maybe he got sprayed by a skunk. <laughs> yeah. Going outside being a teenager. Maybe he's holding it for a friend. Exactly. <laughs> like, okay, two things. One... I almost got sprayed by a skunk once. I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't even out in the woods. I was literally in the parking lot of a movie theater and there was a skunk running around and my friends and I didn't see it. And then it stopped when it saw us and we fucking bolted out of there before it could spray us. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not totally, you know, it's not, it's not implausible. You know, it could happen. Mm -hmm. Two, I started smoking pot when I was 15. I was real careful about it. All right, I didn't get caught for a reason. Ooh, yeah. Eric seems like a fairly smart kid, considering his genes and his father being a very observant person. Um, <laughs> so I don't think he would have snuck in smelling like pot. So it's just like... But like, I really think that what it is, besides the drunk driving, I, I honestly, I feel you made that shit up. <laughs> like, it, it feels like they put this to an author and were like, she thinks she smelled pot on him a time or two. And then, like, a test reader or an editor was like, that doesn't seem like enough. So she put in drunk driving. Yeah. No, agreed, because it does seem like an afterthought. Yeah. Even the fact that it's listed second, I don't know. It's just like, I feel your actual issue with him is that he's a rebellious little shit, which I love about him. Yes. And that you don't like his friends. Yeah, exactly. Just say that. Just say that I want you away from your friends because I don't like your friends. Yeah. It's as much of a reason. Listeners, my cat is on my lap right now. Yuji, Yuji, if I don't like your friends, you're not allowed to hang out with them, okay? Yuji, what's your opinion on this? He says he hated it, but also Eric is best boy. Oh, good. Oh, good you job. Punch out? the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he wants to lie down on my lap. He doesn't want to be held. Oh. Okay. So, yeah. These are Eric's terrible crimes for which he must be punished for an entire summer. Pray for him and his 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 damned soul. Our father who art in pog champ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
at this point, it's time for Kate to go home and she lives on the property. And so Matt asks her like, oh, how did you get here? And she's like, oh, I'm just going to walk. He tells her that he'll walk her back. And they engage in a conversation that's just like very weird to me. The mm-hmm. pacing of their relationship, horrible. Yeah. Horrible. Insane, frankly. Like. On, yeah. Where it's like, I, if, if Kate was my friend, I'd be like, bitch, no. <laughs> They talk about like her life. We get another glimpse into uh, Matt's powers of observation here. He's asking about Kate and he's like, all right, so tell me about yourself, whatever. And she says, not much to tell. I'm a homebody. I've lived with my sister here on the ground since February. Property manager, no kids. He cast a lingering side glance. Since February? That's a rather specific detail. What happened in February that changed your living arrangement? She met his dark eyes and chuckled awkwardly. Wow, perceptive of you. I didn't even realize how telling that comment was. Former military police, the devil is in the details. Shut the fuck up, I hate you. <laughs> oh my god, everything uh, everything this man says makes me hate him more. I want to punch him. Me too. Oh! punch him i want to what do i want to do i have like very specific ways i want to like bully certain people like ben shapiro i want to give him like an atomic wedgie like so bad <laughs> that it like covers his forehead you know just like the, you just get vibes from people you know mm-hmm. so let me think the vibe i get from him i want to pants him in front of a very large crowd to humble this bitch a little bit <laughs> yeah i think that would do it <laughs> Anyway, so they're talking about that, and so she she does go into detail about the fact that she had a heart-to-heart with her boyfriend, Peter, of three years. Her boyfriend of three years, Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> English. Um, and she realized that he wasn't, like, really into the whole commitment thing because she wants to start a family, have kids, all, the, all that fun stuff. And uh, her, her clock is ticking. She does mention that uh, because, you know, that's... Uh, bodies yeah and so he asks her or what makes a man the right one for you that's i feel like it's kind of a weird thing to ask somebody you like haven't like known i don't know yeah so we're back uh listeners (laughs) nothing has happened for you at all but uh since five seconds ago nicole and i had an issue with our recording software where went into an update unexpectedly we thought we were gonna actually lose the entire recording thankfully we didn't we only lost about five minutes so it's a it's like two or three days later it's a monday night now i've got a big glass of wine and juice (laughs) we're both in jammies Popped an edible earlier. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal here. I can say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got your wine. We're both in our jammies now. So this is going to be a fun little slumber party we're having. Yeah. Yay. All right. Let's uh, talk about the talking book. Yes. Last we left off, we were talking about how Matt is asking Kate, what makes a man the right one for you? Which gross question from an old man. It is. Yeah. Which like, I know he's like, you know. 40 something however old he is is not old but to me it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) by the time this comes out i'll be newly 28 it's true a baby oh and this is when he touches her familiarly again putting his arm around her shoulders which ew they walk past the cabin where they found mary's dead body and mm-hmm. she kind of has like a little shiver and he lowers his hand to the base of her spine, which nope. again, ew, sir, I've known you all of four and a half minutes. Do not touch me. 
Ugh, I hate it. I don't care how attractive you are. Don't fucking touch me. Do you imagine? I, I mean, I assume we're we're supposed to imagine all of our romantic heroes and heroines as attractive, but something about Matt makes me feel like he's so like grody. Yeah, I just get like creepy old man vibes from him. Like not like old senior citizen, like people who used to hit on me back when I worked at a pharmacy vibes. I'm talking about like this one time I went to this one club and this 40 year old man kept coming up on me trying to buy me drinks. He was old enough to be my father. Like, no. Yeah. And that's the vibe I get for him. Creepy older guy at a bar who keeps trying to dance with me and my friends keep trying to have to like pull me away from him. Yeah, exactly. That's the vibe. Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew. Matthew, using his full government name. Matthew. What's Ooh. their last name? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, I knew this. It's like, it's Richter or something? Harkney. Yeah. No, not Harkney. Yeah, it oh, is Harkney. Oh, it is Harkney. Okay, I, sin also, since uh, we last recorded, I've watched a couple of movies and also started reading a different book, so I'm trying to make sure I don't confuse it with, like, a character from a <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> Oh, and this is, again, where she confronts him about him being a writer, and she is asking him if he's going to use this as inspiration for a book because he was a true crime writer and wrote for a newspaper and all this other garbage. Uh, and he said that Eric accused him of the same thing, which, yeah, because he's your son and he knows you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. And again, he's still not giving her a firm, no, I am not going to use this in a book. His response wasn't the decided no she'd hoped for, but she let it pass. For now. For some reason. Like, you are the property manager here. Honestly, it's like, you should honestly be drafting up something right now that says, I am legally bound to not write about this in this form under, you know, under legal penalty. I don't know how enforceable that is, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. He's just an asshole. Uh, so he walks her to her place. He sees like a little something out of the corner of his eye and he thinks it's a suspicious person. But no, it just turns out to be goats that Kate's sister Isla rescued. One which she picked up in Alabama and it rode in the front seat of her Prius, which I thought was hilarious imagining yeah. that. Uh, and the other one she just like adopted or whatever. All of this here, honestly, is totally unnecessary. I don't need to know that Isla does, like, goat yoga and stuff. Yeah, one could say that about the entire book. <laughs> yes, but this especially. <laughs> Honestly, shit like this, though, is what kept me through the book. It's like, sure, whatever, these little details. Matt's, all of Matt's shit about, like, the the stupid spy story he's writing, and then, oh like, the, the weird family drama, and honestly, the whole maybe someone was murdered but they really weren't thing that was all bullshit tell me more about the goat yoga please i would, read, I would rather read a book a book about isla doing goat yoga than read this book ever again yeah there's actually so this is the first of a series oh book two which came out june <gasps> um like month of recording wait. june yeah expected publication june 28th wait a second how does it have one oh. rating already a rating of two stars. <laughs> just, people are expecting it to be that bad. <laughs> one and a half stars, D+. Plus. This is on Goodreads. Becky rated it two stars. I just, none of this would have worked IRL. Even as an action-adventure movie, this would be implausible. Here, Jake and Emma make one dumb move after another, putting everyone's lives at risk, and it's just ridiculous. 
Maybe if they had enlisted the help of some kind of professional, it would have been slightly more believable. As it is, it was downright painful to read, especially, view spoiler, Emma's strip club adventure. Talk about Whoa. tone deaf. I was legit cringing while reading it. None of this would have worked. There is no way this debacle should have ended in them being rewarded for their risky and haphazard actions. <laughs> oh my god. It says at the bottom, I voluntarily reviewed an advanced reader copy of this book. Okay, how do we become advanced readers? Advanced voluntary readers? <laughs> Yada. <laughs> uh, if anyone knows, no. We can look it up. I'm serious yeah. about this now. Oh, this is about, like, Ben running away from home? And then she's kidnapped by human traffickers. Oh my god. <laughs> Wait, and this is part of that this like resort series? Yeah, this is Yo, Jake and this Emma. This fucking resort is <laughs> like <laughs> and close just... this bitch down. This <laughs> <laughs> property's fucking cursed. <laughs> it's really funny because throughout the entire book they're like, this has always been such a safe place. We don't have security cameras, we don't lock our doors, and it's like, well, bitch, now you have human trafficking. Uh so Yeah, what's with this town? <laughs> Seriously. Oh, we might have to end up reading that at some point, just so I, I think can... <laughs> I think we're gonna have to. <laughs> I bet Matt shows up in the background. Uh, oh, because he, oh, well, he's spo spoilers, yeah. Uh, we'll get to that. All right, so we have a bunch of useless fucking information that we don't need. That's essentially a whole chapter of nonsense. Only for it to be like, ooh, Isla is talking about Matt, and she's like, ooh, divorced and pretty. And then Kate goes on to say, I'm not sure pretty is the right word for a six foot plus former army guy like him. We get it. You were in the fucking army. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, also, did we mention his his disability? Oh, no, I don't believe we did. Yeah. So um, Matt, he was in Afghanistan. His squad fell victim to a car bomb. Matt lost his foot like part of his shin and got some shrapnel in his hip and I think his thigh. A couple of people died and he remembers basically nothing of the situation. And I think he went home immediately after because where are you, where are you going to do without a foot? Yeah, exactly. In the army. <laughs> yes, in the army. In another book, it would have been really nice <laughs> to have a disabled protagonist. Oh my god, agreed. He just fucking sucks so hard. I I wish I liked him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this fucking guy. Yeah. We open up to another fucking expert, expert, excerpt of his book. He is an expert. He was military police and a writer. Oh my Nicole. god, his, oh my god, his, his powers of observation must be insane. <laughs> 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 fucking hate this guy. He finishes typing for the day, and he's like, hey, Eric, want to hang out? And he's like, nah, deuces, and leaves. So Matt sees Kate outside, and like, you know, like, engages in conversation, because he, he's got a thing for her. And he asks her, Kate, is everything all right? You seem distracted, maybe upset about something? And she's like, no, I'm fine. And he's like, ah, oh, shit, like, she's probably weirded out that I tried to kiss her the other night. Which I know I would be, but... Oh, yeah, he tried to kiss her, by the way. Yeah. Wait, that wasn't even worth mentioning, because I thought this was going to be the part where she mentions that she was kind of suspicious about, like, the house or whatever. No, this is literally them just being like, oh, we weren't looking for love. So ridiculous. Also, I gotta say, we once again have a Vladimir situation here. Oh, shit. 
Matt rolled the mouse and clicked the icon to save his work, just in case. He'd had a productive morning and didn't want to lose anything. All it took was one power surge, computer glitch, or accidental click, and hours of work could go down the drain. First of all, <laughs> Matt, learn keyboard shortcuts. If you are mousing up to hit the fucking floppy disk up there, you are <laughs> the biggest boomer on earth. <laughs> like, it's, it's Control-S or Command... S, probably. I don't use Mac. Me neither. Also, an accidental click undoing hours of work. First of all, say more often than that. But like a single click, I can't think of any single click that could ruin it. Because every no. program you close that you don't save like right then is like, do you want to save? Yeah. And then it's like, and if you don't, like a temporary file will be available for, you know, a little bit. Mm -hmm. So... What's, well, yeah, what's single? Uh, maybe it's just like a big red button that says like detonate or some shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do not press. <laughs> oh, so they're invited to lunch over with the the Camerons, right? That's the last name, Cameron? Yeah, yeah Cameron. Yeah, this right. is Cameron Glenn. Yes. So they're invited to lunch over with the Camerons and they get to meet the whole Cameron clan. And this is the part where they give us so many fucking names in such a short period of time that I started losing track of everybody. Who the fuck is Nathan? Who's this guy? And none of these characters fucking matter. They don't matter. Because again, with this being a mystery, I was trying to remember as many names and details to try to figure it out on my own. But this was so much information in such a short period of time with nothing that distinguishes one person from the other yeah. that it was just impossible to remember these 500 characters we were introduced to in the span of like half a paragraph similarly on the walk earlier kate just like rapid fire lists where everyone lives on the grounds does not matter at all does not i think the only bit that matters is like Kate lives with her sister. It's only brought up like one other time. It's only relevant when she's not there. Yeah. So they're at dinner. And this is the best part of the book, which is when they bring up Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, Fortnite. First of all, my gripe with bringing up Fortnite. <laughs> when no one else appeared, Grace called again. Daryl, in a minute, I'm in the middle of a battle, came the reply. Nobody says that about Fortnite. You say, Nothing. I'm in the middle of a fight, I'm in the middle of a game, a match, I just mm -hmm. dropped, there's only 10 people left, hang on, I'm shooting someone with a shotgun right now as I'm talking to you, shut <laughs> up mom, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All those things, nobody says, I'm in the middle of a battle. The middle of a battle royale. <laughs> but that, that, that's, like, that's like the boomer way of like thinking about this though. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, he's in the middle of a battle royale because that's what it's called. Like, on that's like its government name, but no one calls it its government name. And then Matt busts into the room and he's like, you know, I was I was military police. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about battles. Uh, <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> Can I read the part where they name drop Fortnite? Oh yeah. Daryl gave a half-hearted wave as he dropped into the chair next to Kate. What you playing? Eric asked. Fortnite, Daryl took the platter of grilled chicken that was passed to him and slid two pieces onto his plate. Cool, Eric said, nodding in his approval. Daryl grinned shyly. I think Eric and Daryl have more chemistry than Kate and Matt. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, let's be real. I was going to save this for later. Eric and Kate have more chemistry than Matt and Kate. They, like, 
vibe way better, even just as friends. Yeah. Than Matt vibes with like literally anyone in this book. Matt just fucking sucks. This fucking blank piece of paper of a man. <laughs> <laughs> I hate him. It makes me spit <laughs> spit up. <laughs> Spit wine cooler all over my mechanical keyboard. Oh, <laughs> I used that no. to play Fortnite, Nicole. I'm sorry. <laughs> now you'll never win a battle. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, listeners, we are not sober. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still basically sober. Oh. Well, I've drank like but... half of it. <laughs> At this point, Emma, who's one of... Kate's 500 sisters. I don't know how, I don't even know. I don't even care what the real number is. Her husband, Jake, shows up and then they get into like a screaming match. And so their daughter, Fed, is like, you know, not really having it. So she bounces and Eric's like, all right, I'll go after her. I know a thing or two about fighting parents. Because Eric is a child of divorce. Honestly, all of my dreamy highlights in this book are Eric and Fen. Oh my God, right? And like, this, this is a little dreamy. Yeah, I know part of him was doing it to make that dig at like his dad be like, I know a thing or two about parents that fight or whatever. But he's very good about how he approaches her. Yeah. Where I know at one point he's just like, oh shit, like what do I do with like a crying girl? And then he like tries to redirect the conversation uh, in order to distract her from like being sad. And they talk about like a cat. And Fortnite. And Fortnite. So do you ever play Fortnite with Daryl? Fen sniffed and shrugged. Some. I'm not that good, so I don't play much. She thumbed a tear from her bottom lashes, but as she raised a glance to him, a beam of sunlight caught the remaining moisture and made her eyelashes sparkle as if lined with diamonds. His chest squeezed again. So, do you play Fortnite? She asked after a brief silence. This is the most romantic part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> the eyelashes sparkling, the talk of Fortnite. What more could a girl want? Beautiful. This is how I flirt. <laughs> Me going to the local gay bar. Hey, girl, you play Fortnite? Hey, babe. <laughs> they make plans to, like, hang out. We get another excerpt from fucking Matthew's book. You talk about baby goats some more. It's just a whole bunch of nothingness. Oh, yeah, because Eric helps him, helps him, um... Oh, helps, helps the one pregnant goat, like, give birth. And yeah. I, thought, I thought that was very nice. That was very cute, yeah. Yeah, I want to hear Eric's summer adventures. I want this to just be a coming-of-age story. Oh my god, that would honestly be a much better book than this. Troubled teen, goes to some place for the summer, meets a cute girl, and her uncle, I yeah, guess, Yeah, her uncle who is younger than her. <laughs> they play some Fortnite, they go fishing, they fall in love. And then he works things out with his dad, who's just like a background character who we rarely see because I don't want to fucking see him. Then we have a little bit of drama. Yeah. He's a hero at the end. Then he's just like, wow, can't wait for next summer. Fade to black. And then we play Stand By Me. <laughs> it ends with him like punching the air like at the end of the <laughs> breakfast club. <laughs> yeah. Each one of us is a brain. A jock. A military cop slash writer. <laughs> and a goat yogi. <laughs> the two genders. Military <laughs> cop slash writer and goat yogi. This episode is fucking unhinged. <laughs> it's so stupid. I, I hate this book. We want to talk about everything except for this book. I feel like at this point, 
because I, there is a lot for us to talk about. But as far as like us just like making fun of the book, the actual plot, there is no plot. Here's the rest <laughs> of the plot. I, if you're ready to just like speed through it, I am. Yeah, go fucking nuts. Okay. Fen and Eric sneak out for a night and they see a, a shadowy figure try to break into that same cabin that Mary was found dead in. But there's a couple in there now. So this dude breaks in leaves and then they're like all right but we can't say anything because eric will get in trouble for stealing beers from his dad and for sneaking out and fen will get in trouble for sneaking out then the next day there are sirens the old man who was staying in that cabin was pushed or something and was like found passed out and so they had to take him to the hospital spoiler alert he's in he's in critical condition i think but he he's not dead. He doesn't die. So there's still no fucking murder in this book that's supposedly about a murder. Do you think there's even a kidnapping and kidnapping in Cameron Glenn? Oh, Jesus. Well, I, there's a kidnapping in this one. Kind of. Oh, there is. Yeah. There is. And But, I mean, the back of this book says, but when evidence surfaces that she's been kidnapped by human traffickers, what evidence? A note <laughs> left. <laughs> We've kidnapped this person to human trafficker. Wild speculation off topic here. What if it's Fen leaving a note to like throw her parents off of her track as she runs away? Where she's like, if you want your daughter back, send $10 million to right to here to a different direction than I'm going. It's not even a kidnapping. It's just all staged. Teenagers, am I right? <laughs> yeah. I remember the hijinks I got up to. <laughs> Faking my own kidnapping. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag just teen things. <laughs> so this guy doesn't fucking die. And so at this point, Kate's like, so there was something that like kind of threw me off about the house when we went in there after Mary died. And then Matthew with his powerful skills of observation is like, yeah, me too. And then they noticed that the floorboards were a little wonky. So they go in there, they pry them open. They find a very specific amount of money. Yeah, it's like $7,520 or $7,528 or some shit like that. Also, I if I got that amount of money though. exact, I'm going to go fucking ape shit. Oh, it's $7,458. I was so fucking close. So close. Also, uh, Eric and Fen kiss right before they see the guy break into the cabin. It's like, oh, cute. Yeah, it's uh, it's nice. The kiss was brief, warm. His lips were soft and tasted like beer. She thought her heart might beat right out of her chest. So we come to learn that the reason that Emma, Kate's sister, and her husband Jake were arguing is because he's been like so stressed because he's been robbed. His company has been robbed. And that's the exact amount of money that has gone missing. So, ooh, how did it end up there? What are the odds that none of this was spent? Seriously. Okay, here's the whole thing. Do we want to just, do we want to spoil some of this right now? Yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So, I'll, I'll be slightly big. The person who stole that money and broke into the cabin or whatever... Why he he stole that money to pay off some debts to a dangerous man? Why didn't he just give it directly to him? No fucking idea. Why did he go through this whole rigmarole of like hiding it in Cameron Glen and shit? I know it's because we wouldn't have a plot otherwise, but the plot that you came up with, Beth, was fucking stupid. Sorry, it, that's yeah. a little more aggressive than I like to be. But it's it's, it's just so, so dumb. dumb. Especially because it's like Based on things that I have read and, like, movies I've seen, sometimes the loan shark guy or whatever is, like, you expect me to... Because, uh, spoiler alert, the guy owes, like, a hundred grand. 
They changed that number a lot. Do they? I've uh, the only number that ever stuck out to me was a hundred grand. Yeah, they say close to a hundred grand. Then they say fifty grand. Then they say forty grand. And it's like, how much do you actually owe? Because it seems like you're just kind of fishing here. Yeah, towards the end, during the big climax dramatic moment here. Yeah, because he says like I owe like a hundred grand. But then a character offers them like forty grand, and he's like, "Make it fifty, so I have money to get out of here." Yeah. What the fuck? So yeah, so the money was stolen from Jake's business. Their goal right now is to kind of try to collect as much information as possible. It's a really small town, so if there's any gossip that could clear Jake's name, because he at this point he's been arrested because they thought he was like embezzling. And we come to learn that it is actually Peter, who is Jake's account manager and Kate's ex-boyfriend, was the one who turned him in. Yeah. Also, when they visit Peter, they note that he has, like, a picture of him and Kate, like, up in his house still. And they, like, mention that as being, like, a really creepy thing or, like, a, a weird thing to do. And it's like, I don't know, they dated for, like, three years and they only broke up a couple of months ago. Yeah. And it's like, I still have pictures of, I mean, not, like, up in my home, but I have pictures of one specific girl that I dated at one point. Sometimes pictures are just nice to have, even if the people are shitty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like he's clearly not over it. I feel like yeah. you know, it's he's he's healing still. Like I know after my last breakup, it took me a little while to delete everything off my phone and stuff. It yeah. really hasn't been that long. They broke up in February. It's summer, so what? It's June, so it's been what four months. Yeah, exactly. It's really not that long of a time. Also, apparently, can we talk about the lady at the at the diner? Oh my god. <laughs> This book has such, like, a virgin horror complex, to be honest. It really does. Oh, my God. They go to the diner because they want to, like, interview people. It's a small town. Everyone knows everything or whatever. And Kate runs into this one woman in the bathroom, and this woman is, like, I forget their phrasing, but the very unkind way of saying it is that she's a known slut. She's the town floozy. Yeah, exactly. She's the town bicycle. Everyone's had a ride. Etc. Yeah, exactly. Good, good for her. I like her. <laughs> she's she's a bitch, and she knows what's up. Yeah. She runs into the bathroom, and immediately this woman is like, "If you're wondering, I have fucked your boyfriend since you broke up." And it's like, okay, okay. <laughs> and then she was like, "This new guy you're with, I'd fuck him too." <laughs> <laughs> and she gives us a very pertinent detail, which is that she is currently fucking some guy who's um. He's like a, what's his deal? He's he's like a real estate investor, investor or developer or some of some kind. Yeah, developer. That was it. Yeah. He he basically blew into town a little while ago and has been throwing money around and like intimidating people and stuff. What's his name? It's not Craig. I don't think. It's like Gil or some shit. Yeah, Gib. Is it Gib? Is it Gibby from iCarly? Could it be Gibby? Gibby from iCarly. That's his government name. <laughs> yeah, Gibbs. Gene Gibbs. Gene Gibbs. Certainly a name. I like the alliteration. Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's sort of memorable. I almost remembered that name. <laughs> what did I say? I don't know. <laughs> did I say? Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know. We all threw a bunch around, around a bunch of names. <laughs> um, the wine is hidden. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. 
that guy is important. Yeah, and so throughout the book, I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but there have been little like asides, I guess, where you would see Gene Gibbs talking to somebody and he's Gene Gibbs is the one who is owed this money. We still don't know who owes him the money, but we know that Gene Gibbs is the guy he has to pay back. And Gene Gibbs is a very powerful man, so he's going to fucking shatter some knees if he doesn't get his cashola. Honestly, I think at this point it would be either cheaper to leave town or just get your knees broken. Yeah, seriously. As I briefly mentioned before, Jake, the owner of the business, was arrested. But then Eric comes clean. He says... Yeah, I snuck out that night, but you know, this is all I saw. He didn't, he couldn't tell who it was. All that he could see is that it was like a white man of like average size and build, clean shaven. A very average guy. Average looking white dude. And so when they go visit Peter, they notice that he matches the very vague description. <laughs> so it's at this point that we as the readers are like, oh, Oh, did Peter steal from Jake's business? It would make sense. He's the account manager. He's the one who reported Jake to the police. Nicole, did you think for even one second that it would be Peter? No. Yeah. Wait, no. But when they briefly mentioned him like early on in the book, I was like, oh, maybe this will be the guy. But then when we actually met him, I was like, no, this is too easy. Yeah, no. He's he's red herring. Yeah. Oh, and this is when Matt and Kate share their first kiss because Peter's very clearly jealous of Oof. Matt. He sees how they're like all all huddle up together, all you know, close and shit. So Matt lifts his leg and kisses all over her. And kisses her in front of him. Marking his territory. Yeah, which is like gross. Grow the fuck up, sir. And then Kate's like, ooh, wow. I can't believe that he kissed me without asking. Ooh, what a man. Oh, man, I love that. I love it. So Matt does tell Kate, he's just like, oh, like, do you think Peter is like a suspect? Like, would he have any reason to steal and stuff? And she's like, nah, like he wouldn't do that. And then they go into his background a little bit where he engaged in some kind of substance abuse, but he got clean, but his brother, David, it never, it never really stuck. Yeah. So David has had problems. Yeah, his brother allegedly was the one who like dragged him into substance abuse. Can I say, I feel so bad for David. Like, David is... Are we going to say it here? Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. David's David's the bad guy here. David yeah. is the one stealing. David is a cartoonish villain, but I feel so badly for him because everyone talks about him in such a shitty way, and he obviously needs help. Mm -hmm. He's very clearly in a place of desperation. Like, he's not doing this maliciously. Well, I don't know, stealing the money, kind of. They never really give an explanation for stealing the money. They're like, oh, it's what it's what Jake owes me for the five days I worked, even though he actually paid me or whatever. Yeah. I want him to get help. <laughs> I think that he should just skip town. So, like, okay, on this topic, I highlighted this part where when they were going into, like, Peter and David's background and relationship and stuff. So speaking about David, I'm guessing he's still around somewhere near here. Peter always felt a stronger connection to his brother than his sister because, well, they were brothers. More in common growing up, you know, Peter wanted to save David. But you can't help someone who doesn't want to be helped, at least not helped the way you or I would think was best. At least Peter has stopped giving him money. Once I convinced him he was only enabling his brother's bad habits and addictive disease, he cut David off. David was not happy about that. <sighs> Like, she had a hand in this, too. Exactly. Like, this is... <laughs> I'm not gonna say this is her fault, but, mm -hmm. like, she is not 
a completely innocent party here. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe this is victim blaming, but... At the same time, <laughs> she's a piece of paper, so I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. She's a nothing character. They're all nothing characters. Except for Eric. Except for Eric. Eric, the Chad of this story. <laughs> <laughs> the Virgin Matt versus the Chad Eric. <laughs> so at this point, Isla's like, all right, I gotta go to an airport in Asheville and leave, therefore leaving Kate alone in their shared house or whatever. Yeah. So word gets around that people have been asking about Jean Gibbs and it's like, oh, it's like it's this manager lady from the retreat and her new boy toy or whatever. Seeing as how Kate is alone and doesn't lock her doors, she wakes up to a masked man holding a knife to her throat, and he's like, stop fucking asking questions. Does he ask for his money, too? No. So he just tells her to stop asking questions because Gene Gibbs is a powerful man or whatever. And then he runs away. Kate's first instinct is to call Matt, who I guess this is like the dreamiest thing he's done. He quickly goes to her aid, and it's like the middle of the night, so he doesn't even think about putting on his prosthetic leg and instead uses his crutches to get to her. So it's like, oh my God, like her safety mattered so much to him that he didn't even think he just sped on over. Yeah. And it's really funny because they do mention it where he's just like, I probably would have gotten here faster if I put on my, my yeah. prosthetic leg. <laughs> I found that very funny. actually. Yeah. <laughs> Matt comes over and comforts her and the police come and they're like, well, let us know if you see him. Okay, thanks, bye. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I do appreciate that the cops are fucking useless in this book, as they are in real life. <laughs> I don't know if it makes up for the fact that they that they blow the military so much, but whatever. God. How mad is constantly like, I was keeping your freedom safe. Like, all right, dude, shut the fuck up. What's that Tumblr post where it's like... Where it's like, well, you're, well, your husband is in Afghanistan. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking all the military wives. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Have fun in the war, dumbass. I'll be at home fucking military wives. And then a bumper sticker that says, my girlfriend's husband fights for your freedom, U.S. Army. <laughs> Someone says, damn, good way to get your fucking windows kicked in. Uh, shut the fuck up and, <laughs> and raise my son, bootlicker. <laughs> All fun games till someone with three confirmed kills shows up at your doorstep with a baseball bat. I'm not at my house, though. I'm at yours with your wife. <laughs> he's got shooters all over the world, a globe emoji, even when he's away. Just, just shot a load in his wife. <laughs> you, you ungrateful asshole. My BF might be fighting for your freedom, and you're here mocking him for keeping your pathetic ass safe from the threats of the world. If a war comes to our country, we're not saving you, you dumbass ungrateful fuck-up of a human being. Your BF is fighting for oil and killing civilians and probably cheating on you. He's a scumbag, which is why I just fucked his mom to make a better son. <laughs> and then someone posted a picture of, like... An old painting of, like, a fool on a wall, like, taunting these, like, barking dogs below. <laughs> the fool taunts the hungry dogs, but the dogs have their day, and the fool becomes a feast. <laughs> the same guy. For, for the record, all these are the same guy. Your girl about to be at the feast. <laughs> Your girl about to be the feast as soon as you get deployed, boot boy. Oh, man. <laughs> Hanmiel89, you are a disgrace and don't be dis 
don't deserve to be called an American. You don't even have the right to call yourself a man. I don't call myself a man, but your wife still calls me to fuck. <laughs> that's it. That's the end. A fucking legend. Yeah, World Heritage Post. Oh my god. Whew. At this point, we get our one and only, and I use this term very loosely, sex scene. <laughs> And oh boy, what a scene it is. What a scene it is. I didn't know how good we had it in Vladimir. I know. <sighs> it's just like the build up to a sex scene and then they run to the bedroom and fuck between chapters. And then they have a discussion about him being blown up in Afghanistan again. And uh, oh, this line makes me want to fucking die. I already know what you want to say. <laughs> As she stared down at his handsome face, a rush of emotion caught her off guard. Tears filled her eyes and she nestled at his side again before he could see them. She chewed her bottom lip and knowing how close she'd come to never meeting Matt, caused acid to puddle in her gut. You know, I'm as guilty as anyone of taking for granted the service and sacrifice of our military overseas every day. I blithely go about my life without thinking about roadside bombs or snipers or losing a cohort in the blink of an eye. Hey, he ruffled her hair and jostled her with a nudge from his shoulder. While vets do appreciate the recognition for what they do and being told thank you, we also do what we do so that you can go through your day without thinking about roadside bombs or snipers. You should feel that safe in your home, and ideally we're making the world safer in the long game. A lump swelled in her throat and she pushed up to her elbow so she could look him directly in the eyes. Well, sir, I thank you for your service and your sacrifice. Oorah! He twitched a grin. That's the Marines love. You're looking for hooah! <laughs> it's just, I want to die. Oh my god. And then they fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So before all that, there is one line I want to bring up. So he was saying how he was a bit self-conscious about the fact that he was missing a leg and the only woman he had been with since he lost a leg is his ex-wife. And so she says, well, stop. It's a non-issue for me. Twisting her mouth in a playful grin, she added, especially when you are so skilled with uh, other parts of your anatomy. Ew. <laughs> also i do like that when he's self-conscious about it she brings up like oh i mean i had my appendix out i'm sure that you find me a, you find me hideous and unlovable too then they talk some more and he says that he actually has some shrapnel in his knee and then she's like oh now that's a deal breaker for me i can't possibly in a, be in a relationship with someone whose knee needs reinforcement she flashed a teasing scowl and pretended to be getting out of bed. I mean, really, a girl can only take so much. He seized her wrist and tugged her back. Get over here, Miss No Appendix. She laughed and smacked a kiss on his lips. Well, okay. That is like my single dreamy highlight. Yeah, agreed. I highlighted that bit. Like, that is kind of cute. In that moment, they were characters. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, you're not just blank sheets of paper of people. <laughs> oh, my God. Nicole. I'm going to get some more wine. Yes. Be right back. <laughs> okay. Feel free to say literally anything while I'm gone. <laughs> literally anything. I just want to wanna bring up the whole sex thing again. It is just so frustrating to me that they, I have had to suffer through 155 pages of this book and not even get like anything for it to be even worth it, even the tiniest bit. That's bullshit. That's a crime. 
All I get is he made love to her again, his touch tender and his attention to her needs thorough. She didn't want to compare his careful and loving technique to Peter's, but the differences were so obvious. Matt was so much more. She couldn't help but think to herself, this, this is what was missing, what I've been looking for. Ugh, come on. Yeah, whatever you said. Yeah. What are we talking about? I was talking about how there there wasn't any sex in here to make this even like the tiniest bit worth it. Not at all. Like, I, was I really, upset. I was hoping for like one, one little thing that maybe would get my, my stomach fluttering a little bit. Nothing. Nothing. A ripoff. Also, did you mention where she thinks about her grandma during sex? I did not. I mentioned the part where she thinks about Peter or compares him to Peter. <laughs> yeah, too. I won't lie and say I haven't thought about that in the past, but like, it's more of an after thing. I think there's only one time where I thought about it, like, during. And it was, it was real bad. Oh, no. <laughs> his respect for her, his affection for her, his, her heart jolted. Love for her was in his eyes and every touch. Oh, Crivens and help me, Bob. <laughs> her grandmother's favorite Scottish expression sprang to mind. This is the second Harlequin book we've read where Grandma is brought up in a slightly horny context. <laughs> We're going to have to keep a running tally. All those gilfs out there. It's apparent. I mean, it's like if I had a nickel. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I read a book that mentioned grandma during sex, I have I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but whatever the rest you of that quote is. Twice, right? <laughs> you know, I thought if I break was bad. I'm I'm kind of revising what I said the other day. I think this might be the worst book that we've read on this podcast. Not just the one that has like offended me the most. <laughs> Okay, so after they they smash, he's like, oh shit, it's like morning time. I have to get back to the cabin before Eric wakes up. And so then he comes in and Eric is there already awake. And he's like, what is this, your walk of shame? And then we get to him addressing his daddy issues. And then we get to my daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason I've sent this podcast to my mom and not my dad. Ooh. So Eric has such good rational points here oh my god even if they're coming from a deeply emotional place they're all so good yeah he's he's so valid exactly like, like as a character all of his all of his feelings he's just valid as hell i said this already but get eric into therapy please seriously first of all eric apparently texted him all night and didn't know where the fuck he was meanwhile matt's like oh how the turntables but like eric was genuinely like scared of where the fuck his dad is when there's been multiple break-ins on this definitely safe retreat. Yeah, and all Matt could do is be like, oh, isn't this funny that you're the one, like, scolding me now? Yeah. Like, dude, what a fucking asshole. Like, what a shitty father. I hate this man. Yeah. Also, remember when we were like, oh, we're just gonna speed through the rest of the book and then talk about whatever, and then we didn't? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oops. We spent through... <laughs> well, the, we spent through a lot of it. We, that's true. We went through like 80 pages in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Matt says, I apologize for scaring you. Eric's brow dipped lower. I wasn't scared. I was pissed. Matt dropped into a chair opposite his son. Why were you angry? Because you did it again. Are doing it again. You talk a good game about wanting to build a better relationship with me. The last part he said in a mocking tone. Oh, I'm sorry. Wanting to build a better relationship with me. But as soon as something better, something more important to you comes along. Goodbye, Eric. You're gone. 
Eric gulped the last of his coffee and set the cup aside. And, like, he's right as far as we can tell. Yeah. Matt comes into this vacation and is like, we're going to spend a lot of father-son time together. You're going to, like, learn how to appreciate stuff besides your phone. And then he sees a hot woman and he's like, goodbye, Eric. Hope you have fun. Deuces. Yeah. Go birth a baby goat or whatever, I guess. Eric starts crying because he's like, he's so, it's all just like coming out where he's talking about how he feels abandoned. In a small voice, Eric rasped, if you love me, why do you always abandon me? Matt could only stare at Eric gobsmacked. He finally managed a weak, what? If you love me, why do you always abandon me? Eric shouted, his body shaking with rage and sobs. Matt whispered, I've had to leave you in the past, but surely you know I'd never abandon you. Do I? It certainly seemed like abandonment when it happened. You put yourself first, what you wanted over your kid. Why should I believe anything you say now? It's like, yeah, to be honest. And Matt's like, I had to go. It was my duty or whatever. And it's like, no, it wasn't. Like, you were 30 to 35 10 years ago. That's kind of old for the military unless you're already a career soldier. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It's just so fucking insane to me. The depths to which Matt, like, justifies this to himself. Where he's like, ten years ago when I got on that transport plane, I was crying too because I didn't want to leave you or your mother. It's like, then why did you sign up? For all we know, you weren't in the military already. Yeah, they never go into it. Yeah. All we know is that he was in Af Afghanistan ten years ago. Yeah. And when I came back from my tour overseas, I was crying when I got on that transport plane also. And not because of the injuries I'd sustained, way to fucking bring that up, or the fact that I'd lost the bottom half of my leg, once again, way to bring that up. I was crying because I was happy that I was going home to my little boy, that I was alive and able to see you again, hold you and hug you and kiss you and tell you how proud I am of you. And it's like, whatever, that last part, sure, I I'm sure you felt that, but... Matt squeezed his son's elbow. I know I'm reading so much for this, but I was reading this and I was just like shaking with like just pure. I, I was genuinely triggered by this book. Oh, no. <laughs> and okay. Matt squeezed his son's elbows. You're old enough now to understand that I had a duty to serve my country. And sometimes duty means sacrifice. Eric scoffed and his expression soured. So you sacrificed me. That's what you're saying. Aren't you proving my point? You cared more about your stupid job than your family. No, that's not what I'm saying. You know it's not. Do I? Because you left again six years later. Matt's shoulders sank, realizing the depth of the hurt and misconception that Eric had struggled with for years. Misconception. There's no misconception there. This is literally what you did. You went off to Afghanistan when he was like six or seven. And then when he was like 12 or 13, prime fuck you up years. You and your fucking wife got divorced and it sounds like it was a pretty messy divorce, to be honest. Or maybe mm -hmm. I'm projecting from my own father's messy divorce. No, because he says that he has experience with parents that fight, so they fought. There we go. Yeah. Mm. Mm. You drink that wine, girl. Uh, ooh. Um, <laughs> like, I just, I am so angry. And this, this never really gets resolved. And, like, I don't expect a decade of father-son trauma to be resolved with a single conversation. Mm -hmm. But they're not even, like, building blocks here. He's like, well, I had to make hard decisions in my life. It's like, great. Good for you. Why don't you go fuck all your military buddies then? Huh? 
it's like he he's he's making all these excuses and justifications for what he did, but doesn't actually address the problem and like Eric's feelings. Yeah. He's like, oh, well, you're sad. I was sad, too, when I had to leave you. I don't give a shit about you. Like, your son is telling you that he is hurting. And all he does is say, well, I was hurting, too. I don't fucking care. Like, that's not how you address that situation. Yeah. And even after Eric gets, like, all his emotional stuff out, he, tr he like, thinks rationally and he says, In my head, I know why you left. I'm not dumb. I heard you and Mom arguing, but it still hurt. I still felt like trash you tossed aside. Pain speared Matt's chest. Jeez, Eric, I'm so sorry. I never wanted you to feel that way. You were as far from trash as possible. You were gold to me. Irreplaceable treasure. I love you so, so much. Eric twisted his mouth and wiped his eyes as he shrugged. Yeah, okay. Whatever. No, not whatever. We need to finish this. Resolve things between us. And then, like, they don't. That's the end of it. Matt, like, tries to move to a different area, but he doesn't have his prosthetic on still. And then they talk about that. And then they talk about Kate. And it just ends. Yeah. And it's like, wow, way to drag out my fucking trauma for nothing. Nothing was accomplished. It's so frustrating. And this is... Oh, it's just so clearly like bootlicking because it's just like, oh, look yeah. how much he's suffered. And the fact that Eric has all these issues is literally just a way for us to be like, well, Matt has these issues too because of the military. Yeah, exactly. It's just to to emphasize Matt's like man pain. Exactly. And that's so frustrating. It like invalidates Eric so much when he is the most valid character. Exactly. And like... Maybe it's just my father and, and Eric's father here, but I don't think that parents realize that at the age of like 12 or 13, being the child of a messy divorce fucks you up permanently. Like, there's shit that I got into in therapy like three months ago. My parents got divorced 15 years ago, and I'm realizing that wounds didn't heal correctly. It fucks you up, and especially if you don't have a support system. Which clearly, Eric doesn't. No wonder he's out drunk driving and maybe doing pot one time with his friends <laughs> and playing Fortnite, the worst crime of all. It's true. Like, I'm surprised that he's not doing worse. <laughs> like, apart from, like, his interactions with his father, he seems like a very well-adjusted boy. Yeah. Like, all of his interactions with Fen are so nice and, like... He clearly gives a shit about the people around him apart from his father. And that's only because his father doesn't give a shit about him. Like, everything he does is so clearly a cry for help. And just, like, touching on the whole support system thing again, I mean, first of all, like, his dad's not around just because of that, the, the custody arrangement. Yeah. But then his mom essentially gave up on him where she was like, Matt, fix him. Yeah. So, like, there's no support system there because the parent who he's with 99% of the time essentially gave up on him because he smelled like pot, like, once. <laughs> like, the, the drunk driving thing is a very serious yeah. thing, but... Don't drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. But I feel like doing that one thing isn't... I don't, I don't want to, like, make light of how bad that is, but it isn't enough, in my opinion, for a parent to, like, give up on their child, you know? Yeah, like, listen, I, I do understand how drunk driving can ruin or end lives. Like, yes. the kid I would have sat next to at graduation in high school died because of drunk driving. Like, I, I do get it, but I don't know. It just feels like 
You're right. That's not shit you just give up over. No. Even if he's like, oh, whatever. No, send his ass to therapy mm. at that point. Like, at the end of the day, he is still a child. Mm -hmm. No matter how mature he is at times, he is still a child. And his parents are not doing a great job of being parents. No, terrible job, to be honest. Mm -hmm. We only see Jessica like once, but I do not hold her in high regard. No, not at Even all. Even though she's a paper, piece of paper as well, but whatever. <laughs> uh, justice for Eric, man. Justice for Eric, the only good character in this book. For real. So yeah, after their whole... Uh, I don't I don't even want to say like thing. yeah their whole th thing there again the conversation goes over to to Kate and Eric's like wow you're really into her huh and Matt's like yeah I am and Eric's like do you love her because you know after telling my father that I have abandonment issues the first thing I'd like to do is be like so your girlfriend huh in my head Ken he's like he's testing him Mm -hmm. He's like, are you about to say that you're going to abandon me again? And like, fucking spoiler alert, at the end of this book, he fucking abandons him. Because he decides to live at Cameron Glen. Now he's, I don't know how close he was to begin with, but now he's certainly not close. Do they mention, like, where Cameron Glen is? Like, what state? It's like... North Carolina? North and Carolina, I, I think. I think they're in the same state, but North Carolina is a big state. Regardless, I don't know, like... Matt's selfish. He is. And I do get, I deeply understand, wanting to have decisions separate from your duty as a father. Like wanting a life outside your child. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I do get that and I empathize with that. And I do think that that can be done well. And I do understand, like, you know, sometimes you do need to make a decision for yourself. But this is like... Well, I guess we'll get to it at the end of the book. But this is insane, right? Yeah. Like, he's going to marry her. He's known this woman for a month. This is, like, somehow worse than Ross and Emily from fucking Friends. <laughs> anyway. it's we'll, we'll touch more on it when we get to that point. Because yeah. I, I have more to say. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. So, Matt's like, all right, well, you and I, we're going to spend the night at Kate's until her sister gets back because somebody needs to protect her. Matt's talking to Kate. And I feel like if their relationship truly had any substance to it, he would bring up the whole Eric thing first. Yeah. But before that, he says, he asked me about my feelings for you. Oh, and what did you say? I told him the truth that I'm falling in love with you. And then as like an afterthought, he's like, we also had a good talk about what's been bothering him, about why he'd been acting out. I can see now it was a cry for attention, for boundaries, for proof of where he stood with his parents. I think we're finally on the same page about some things, or I hope so. I'm so angry about those lines. It's literally like an afterthought. Exactly. I just, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I think I'm a little drunk <laughs> right now, but it's just so much. I, I feel like when you read an author... You can tell whose side they're on mm -hmm. by how they're framed. Yeah. At least in a, a meta narrative. And like, it feels like Beth Cornelison, it feels like she agrees with Matt. Mm -hmm. Which is like, it, it just like make it, it makes no sense. And just to continue from where I fin where I left off reading, Kate says, wow, that's I'm glad, Matt. I'm so happy you two worked everything out. So again, so it just 
proves your point that yes, she is on Matt's side because literally right after that, Fen asks uh, Eric, so does that mean you and your dad worked everything out? You're off all those harsh restrictions? Eric says, no. He said we'd talk about the restrictions tonight after he discussed things with my mom. At least he knows now I haven't forgotten everything he did and how he made me feel like he didn't care, like I didn't matter. See, that's the thing where it's like, okay, does Beth actually get it or no? Well, I think that makes it worse because it seems like she gets it, but is still siding with Matt. Mm -hmm. It makes it seem like, oh, he's being a teenager. They say repeatedly like, oh, teenagers aren't human. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know. It seems like Eric is the most human character in this book and everyone else is a piece of paper. Yeah, it's like, I understand the frustration with, like, teenagers, especially, you know, hormones are fluctuating. Mm -hmm. It's a weird time in their lives, you know, especially, like, in high school when it's just like, oh, the next four years of my life determine, like, the trajectory of the rest of my life. It's a lot. And so, yes, it can be frustrating. They're still fucking people. Exactly. I think the biggest mistake that adults make is forgetting that teenagers are people and forgetting like when a teenager says like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me they probably genuinely mean it because they don't have 45 years of experience behind them they have 16 yeah like this very well may be the worst thing that has ever happened to them be nice to your kids please listen to them listen to your children exactly oh my god <laughs> after that whole thing, so it was Eric and Fen, and they were like, hey, they start kissing, you know, being all cutesy. And Eric's like, I have an idea. And they break into the the not murder cabin yeah, to do some, some smooch in there. They make it very clear. They're just kissing. Don't worry about it, dude. Don't worry about it. No one's having teenage premarital sex on my watch. Okay, so this, this, this fucking part just like... It made me so mad. It was it was so dumb. So they're smooching, right? And then all of a sudden, he like starts thinking about his father, and he's like, "Oh, like no, don't think about dad." <laughs> <laughs> and he remembers his father's words: "Being an adult means making hard decisions sometimes, ones where you have to make a hard call and do things you don't like for the greater good." And he's like, "Fen, I think we should stop." And she's like, "Oh my god, why is it me?" And he's like, I was just thinking about my what my dad said earlier. My dad and your Aunt Kate have a thing going. A pretty serious thing, I think. Like, in love or falling in love. And here's the thing. I like you, Fen, a lot. But if my dad and your aunt do hook up for real, for long term, you and I would be... <gasps> cousins! Oh my god! Well, step cousins or something. It's North Carolina. Just hook up. Just hook up. They're not actually related. Controversial opinion on this podcast. <laughs> teenagers it's fine do whatever the fuck you want they're not blood related yeah in the words of curtis connor she's not blood related <laughs> i love curtis <laughs> me too so little did they know that Kay, after the break-in to her home had expedited the installation of the security cameras with the first area to be upgraded being the not murder cabin and so her with her eyes she sees that these children are in the cabin and she's like oh my god like these fucking little horn dogs and goes <laughs> on over and she's ready to be like no sex but he they're just sitting on the bed and they're like yeah we're just like it's like it was just, we were just kissing and they're not even gonna do that anymore yeah how come eric has to make all the sacrifices in this relationship because 
no matter what he sacrifices, it will never amount to the sacrifices that his father made in order to protect our freedoms, Claudia. I'm sorry, allow me to turn around and shove an American flag on my ass. We <laughs> might have to cut that. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. We're probably going to have to cut a lot of the military talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say. Record drunk and it's over. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i feel like we need to be like like inebriated for more episodes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. we'll make it a special like once a quarter as they're speaking a crash of glass catches everyone's attention somebody is trying to break into the cabin so kate is like all right a fen you have your phone because eric isn't allowed to have his phone and she's like, yeah. So she says, call Matt, tell him what's happening, then call 911. I would fucking call 911 first. Yeah. It, it's insane that they keep calling Matt first. Yeah. Like, what the fuck is he going to do? A cabs and chat. But, like, call the cops. It's fiction. Call the cops. Yeah. You know what? It's fiction and they're white. So, like, it's exactly. <laughs> So they like go into the bathroom, or or and Kate's like, "Stay here, protect Fen at Eric." So Kate goes out, and she sees none other than David, Peter's brother, in the cabin. Who would Who have seen have this coming? Oh my god, my cat is attacking my feet right now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Where's my money, bitch?" And she's like, "What money? Like your money? What the fuck are you talking about? Like that's not your money." And then he's like, "Oh, I'm owed that money." Blah, 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 and gives like, "It's stupid." Kate is like, "It's Jake's money," and it's like, honestly, proletariat, Chad, David. <laughs> <laughs> Kate's, you know, getting into this altercation, and then David kidnaps her. Oh. He knocks her out. Okay, so like, I have never been kidnapped before. Okay. I, I thought I was once, but I was just very drunk and being shoved into the back seat of my friend's boyfriend's friend's car. I didn't know these people. I thought I was going to die. Um, <laughs> but I've never actually been kidnapped before. <laughs> no. But he like, what does he do? He like carries her over to his car. Yeah, and I feel like it, it was too easy. Yeah, honestly, like, I understand that David's in a desperate situation, but what's your exit strategy, man? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, he literally, he does not think this through, and I think it's brought up later on by Peter, who's like, well, like what the fuck are you gonna do next? Yeah, honestly, if I were David, I would have just slit her throat while she was sleeping. Oh my god. <laughs> like, what better way to send a message to the other guy? That is true. Maybe that's the wine and juice talking. <laughs> well, I'm Thing, uh, like we have to get into the mind of a criminal here you know mm -hmm. he he left too many he had too many loose ends exactly like there was no possible way for him to get out of this scenario without getting caught yeah it's like from here steal a car and just leave leave the country man honestly well yeah like use those like seven thousand four hundred and fifty eight dollars to get like a shitty used car and drive down to mexico yeah, or fly the fucking Philippines. Glenn Gibbs isn't going to come to the fucking Philippines. Yeah, but I I felt like this kidnapping scene, it was like too easy, you know? It was also too long. 
Yeah, way too long. This whole kidnapping thing went on way too long. This climax is like the last quarter of the book. Yeah, so, okay, here's what happens. Eric runs over to the house because Matt was so, you know, deep into his writing that he didn't answer the phone because it was from like an unknown number. He's like, wow, these people must really want to sell me insurance. And Eric's like, what the fuck? Why aren't you answering your phone? Like, Kate's been kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole, as a fellow millennial, if an unknown number called your phone like three times in rapid succession, would you pick up? I would. I would too. Yeah. If it's just like one and done, it's clearly like a spam call. But three in rapid succession, that's somebody trying to reach me. Exactly. Even if it turns out to just be a spam call, it's like I would rather answer that and listen to a robot for two seconds than like fail to respond to an emergency. Exactly. Yeah. All right. I have to run to the bathroom. <laughs> I'll okay. be right back. Have fun. I'll talk about the kidnapping. <laughs> okay. So listeners, I'm I'm like three or four glasses of wine in here. So David kidnaps Kate. He holds her at knife point. He brings her to his car. Matt runs up and he's like, oh no, Kate. And then David just picks her up and runs away and gets into his car. And Matt is just completely useless. He just... He cannot even, like, stop and think about, like, memorizing the license plate number. The best he can do is, like, the last digit is either a B or an 8. So then Eric drives up, because Eric, very smartly, was like, my dad is running after this guy. He's going to need a car, because there is no way that David is going to carry Kate wherever he's going. So Eric drives up, and Matt still lambasts him for, like, no reason. So he says, Eric, you can't come with me. Call the cops and with the phone you don't have and tell them that it's a, a, they name a specific brand. It's like a black Ford or whatever. The last digit is either a B or an eight. And Eric's like, fine, whatever. Okay, go get him, dad. Meanwhile, Kate is woken up in the car and she like tries to run them off the road. And she does successfully. She manages to get away for one second, but David gets her back. And then Matt comes up and then they tussle for a little bit. Uh, and then David steals Matt's car and drives away with Kate. And Matt's like, oh no. And then he hitchhikes into town with this one guy. And that guy's like, where should I drop you off, sir? And... He drops him off like a block away and <laughs> makes the, the guy hand him a, a PayPal number. And I thought uh, that part was so like hilarious. Like, honestly, <laughs> David has driven Kate to Peter's house because he has no plan. And they tie her up with fucking saran wrap. Uh, smart, maybe? I have saran, saran wrap, but I don't want to spend $3 on like doing a small experiment that no one can even see on the air. Next time you come over, we'll do it and put it on our Patreon. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> follow us on Patreon, Three Little Words Podcast. <laughs> then they have this big negotiation. They go into the back and Matt pulls up. He goes into his car. He pulls out a gun that's there and he starts sneaking up on them. And even though he completely has the drop on them, they are unarmed besides David's knife. He doesn't just, you know stop them then. I'm very much against gun violence, but just shoot one of them. Seriously. And he's instead like, what if I can give you the money? Which is the dumbest plan on earth. So they bring him inside and Matt is like, I can get you whatever money you need. I'll have to move stuff around. I just need to call my guy at the money place. And he calls Eric and he's like, hello, Mr. Money Man? 
I need to uh, send a courier with $50,000 to this address. And Eric's like, Dad? And he's like, yep, definitely send it to that address. Okay. So Eric gets a hint and calls the cops. And so that lets David's guard down long enough that he lets Matt untie Kate. And Matt tells Kate to go around the house to uh, the Marigold. The Marigolds. Yeah. yeah, the Marigolds. Shout out to Marigold in our system. Shout out. <laughs> and get the gun from that pot. He just sets Marigolds and she finds out there's a gun there. She shoots David in the foot. Uh, the altercation ends. The cops show up. That's it. That's it. Oh. Oh, and, and then, then the, the dumbest conflict on earth. Oh my god, yes. Go right ahead. So after this whole altercation, the police finally come and an ambulance arrives too because people have gotten hurt. So I think it's Kate who has to go to the hospital. Kate needs to go to the hospital. Matt does too, but he ends up just going to urgent care while Kate goes to the hospital. Yeah, because he just needs to get checked out. He doesn't have anything like serious. And so Kate's like, okay, like, are you coming with me? And Matt's like, no, I'm going to stay with my son. It's like the one situation where it would have been acceptable for you to go with Kate. The woman yeah. who has just been kidnapped. Exactly. But no, he's going with his son because you know what? He's developed. As a character. Mm-hmm. And then Kate is fucking like, oh, he cares about his son more than he cares about me. The woman he's known for one month. This is bullshit. She was so upset. Honestly, it's so fucking stupid. But the best line in the entire book is right here, where Kate starts crying while she's in the ambulance with her sister. And her sister says... Kate, oh honey, what? Emma scooted closer on the bench seat and grasped her sister's hand with a fierce grip. What's wrong? Girl, she just got kidnapped. <laughs> but that's not what's bothering her, Claudia. I can't believe that's not what's bothering her. <laughs> it doesn't matter that she's had a knife held up to her throat. It doesn't matter that she was kidnapped and then got into a car accident and then was kidnapped again and then was tied up with saran wrap and had to shoot a man. No. What's upsetting her right now is the fact that Matt, the love of her life that she's known for seven and a half chapters, <laughs> is choosing his son over her. How fucking dare he? So, uh, it's unbelievable, honestly. Like, listen, if I'm in love with somebody and they choose their child over me, I'm sorry, but that's it. It's that's it. on site. And she says, she's like, I'll never be his number one priority. No, you won't, bitch. And that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how, how selfish can you be? Exactly. And we never get any inkling of this from Kate at all. You would think oh. that him having a son being dedicated to that son would be like a plus in her book. Because, yeah. like, she wants somebody who is there for a long-term relationship, mm -hmm. you know? But no, we have this contrived conflict for a couple of pages. Well, see, now we know why earlier on she was like, oh, I'm so glad you worked it all out, even though they clearly didn't. <laughs> she, she never fucking cared about Eric. Yeah, She wants exactly. to be number one. 
she was number one. <laughs> so anyway, so Kate's fucking annoying, especially because Matt also like flakes on her because Jessica, his ex-wife, is around and they need to discuss what's going on with Eric. And, and Jessica's like apparently super hot or whatever. So Kate's like, oh my God, I'm never going to be number one. I'm not a part of this family. His ex-wife is so hot and like also his baby mom's. And so, like, what if I will never be able to compete. Like, girl, they're divorced. Yeah, like, they're, they're divorced. We know it was a very messy divorce. Eric is still his fucking son. Eric is still her fucking son. So mm -hmm. they have to co-parent. Exactly. Like, the, she, Kate is barely a character. She has, like, nothing about her. Like, there's nothing about her that gives her any kind of substance. Like, name one trait about Kate besides the fact that she's family-oriented. Yeah, exactly. And so for her to suddenly just turn into this, like, little bitch is, like... <laughs> It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Oh my god. Kate meets Jessica, and so Matt introduces them to each other. And so he says, Kate, this is my ex, Jessica. Jessica, the property manager here, Kate Cameron. And Kate's inner monologue is the property manager, not my girlfriend or the woman I love. Yikes. First of all, they have never established their relationship, so for her, him to call her his girlfriend is just presumptuous. Also, who the fuck would introduce somebody as their the love of their life? Especially to your ex-wife. Yeah. It just feels like picking a fight. It's so dumb. Oh, and then we have the biggest contrivance of the entire story. Matt goes and talks to Kate afterwards, and he's like, your dad asked me to stay on Cameron Glenn, live here as, like, the security consultant or something. He's offered me a very reasonable rate or whatever. And she's like, I don't think that's a good idea, because I think it's going to be too hard when we, since we're broken up now. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Which is, like, a one reasonable thing Matt has said. Yeah, so he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and she says, I, I know I'll never be your first priority and you're going to leave here and like be a father to Eric. And he's then like, he no. says, will you marry me? Yeah, interrupts her, right? Yeah, interrupts her. Basically what I just did there for dramatic effect. Will you marry me? Yeah, will, will you marry me? me? She canted back slightly as if he'd physically knocked her with his words. I... Matt, you're not listening. I can't. I am listening, and I hear you. I understand what you're saying, and I understand why. He took both of her hands in his and pressed them against his chest. Now you listen to me. Hear me. Understand what I'm telling you. Kate Cameron, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life getting to know everything about you. I want you to be the center of my world, the embodiment of my love, the breath of my future. And I want to be the same for you. I want to die. To which she replies, but Eric will always be my son, and I will always love him and be there for him, but love isn't finite, darling. I can give you 100% of my love without taking away from him. Families do it all the time. Your family is a perfect example. Does your father's love for you mean he loves your mom any less? So dumb. Nicole, I'm drunk and this still doesn't make sense. It's so stupid. Kate is so dumb. Uh... It's the most contrived bullshit. This is like three pages from the end for the record. This fucking part too. So this whole like little proposal bit is just so dumb. 
So he says, then why do you doubt that I can love you completely and unconditionally? And she's like, I was scared, hurt, confused. And then Matt says, and I compounded your fear when I put you off in favor of Eric at the ambulance and when Jessica arrived. A small nod. She lifted her head and gave him an odd look. You do get it. You see me. Fuck this. I fucking hate everybody in this book except for Eric. And that's it. That's the end of the book. That's it. They're engaged. He is moving there and going to be working there. There's not even an epilogue. Like, we both agreed that in our first episode here, Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire by Danny Collins, who, the hallowed be her name. A queen. Yeah, our queen, yes. We both agreed that the engagement at the end of that book was also kind of contrived and wasn't necessary. But there was also an epilogue like a year or so later where it just felt more correct. Yes. We get nothing here. It's just like we're engaged. Nothing. It just ends. That's yeah. it. Literally, like the last two sentences are them planning the wedding where she's like, I want to get married here in the fall. And he says, anything you want, my love, anything at all for you. That's it. That's the end That's of the book. It. And then we hope you enjoyed this book from Harlequin Romantic Suspense, Danger, Passion, Drama. These hot racing page turners will keep you guessing to the very end. Did not keep me guessing. I knew right away. Experience the thrill of unexpected plot twists and irresistible chemistry. Neither. Irresistible chemistry where? Honestly, Nicole, down the line, I want to read Kidnapping and Cameron Glenn. We will. We'll do it. Because, like, I don't want to read it because I expect it to be bad. I know it's probably going to be bad, but I want to read it because I believe it more than this. I kind of dig the idea of, like, a couple with, you know, an unsteady marriage coming together because of a, a tragedy and, like, trying to solve that together. That kind of that kind of gets me, like, going a little bit. Yeah, that sounds fun. Much better than writer shows up and has sex with lady. Yeah. Also, there's no murder. <laughs> yeah, also, there's no murder. This definitely sounds like there's probably a kidnapping. And again, definitely sounded like there was murder in this book. I know it's like, don't judge a book by its cover, but apparently you can't judge it by its title either. Yeah, its title, its back flap, its genre, nothing. Trust no one, not even yourself. <laughs> not even the book cover, not even the book title. Okay, Nicole, Ugh. we're done here. Smash your pass on Kate Cameron. Pass. Great, same. Smash your pass on Matt Harkney. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> Same. Fuck both of these characters. Kate Face. gets a softer fuck you, but Kate is just yeah. like not even a person. So I don't no. even feel bad about that. Matt actively sucks. Yeah. Okay. A teenage smash pass here. If you were a 16-year-old girl and I were a 16-year-old girl, smash your pass on Eric. Oh, I would have the biggest crush on Eric. Oh my god, same. I'm thinking back when I was 16, who did I have a crush on? He was very tall. Eric's tall. Mm -hmm. Eric's clearly got that like bad boy thing going on for him. That was that, that I would have found that kind of hot. He's got that emo haircut. Emo haircut. He plays Fortnite, which didn't wasn't a thing when I was in high school, but I as a 28-year-old lady play Fortnite. I'm sure I would have liked it back in high school. Yeah. And he just seems like a good kid. Also, he smokes pot. I started smoking pot in high school, so like <laughs> I didn't smoke pot until I was in college. <laughs> I started at 15. <laughs> I was a fucking square. Honestly, Eric probably would have been in my friend group because it sounds like, apart from like the drinking and maybe drugs, it sounds like he's a big fucking dork. It does, right? He probably would have been in my friend group. Yeah. And I probably would have had a crush on him. 
I yeah, I feel like I would have had a crush on Eric. Same with Fen. Yeah, Fen wasn't much of a character though. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Also, can Eric have one thing in no. his life? No. I guess not. Never mind. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for the answer. <laughs> anyway, so Nicole, let's read this book on steaminess. There was like nothing steamy about this book. I feel like the parts that were trying to be steamy just came across as weird because he has those weird old man at a club vibes mm-hmm. where it's like this place is clearly for people in like their early 20s and you're a 40 year old man coming here to prey on younger women. He gives off that vibe. And so every attempted steamy thing, like the arm around the shoulders, the wink, did not come across as sexy. There was no actual sex scene in this. It gets a straight up zero for steaminess. Big ol' fucking goose egg. Yeah. So what about dreaminess? Between recordings here, I was thinking maybe I will give this like a 0.5. This also gets a fucking zero. Yeah. Fuck Matt. Fuck Matt, because I feel like the dreamiest character in this book is Eric and the way he treats Fen. Yeah. But like we can't grade on that criteria. He's not our exactly. he's not our lead here. Matt, fat old zero. Yeah. It's just this is a nothing relationship. It's not a relationship. They meet and in a month they fuck once and then they get married. You know what? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and give him a point two because he did Rescue her from being kidnapped. All right. I'm not giving that, but feel free. Um, I'm doing it to be nice. Not that he deserves it, but it's like it's something in this stupid plot that happened. So I'll acknowledge it. I will give you that. Okay, Nicole, here is the big debate here. Meaniness. I don't think it's meme. I just thought it was stupid. What's your number? Ugh. Okay, I'm trying to think because I know there are parts that like frustrated me because they were so stupid, but that's not Mimi. And were there parts that were kind of Mimi? I think maybe a little bit. I, uh, I get, I'll give it a 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7 max. I will say this is probably the book where I've had the most Mimi highlights. Mm-hmm. Let's sort here by, by orange highlights. I have 24 orange oh highlights. God. I'm giving this like... A three and a half for Mimi, which has, I believe, the mm-hmm. highest ranking I've ever given a book on this podcast. Wow. So for me, it's a zero zero three point five. Yeah, because I just, I don't know. I feel like my definition of Mimi maybe needs to change a bit. Yeah, we're still debating this. Yeah, because it's like, you know, I feel like it's parts that would make me laugh that, you know, weren't actually supposed to make me laugh. But this was so beyond frustrating because of how stupid it was that it wasn't even funny to me. I was just... Yeah angry <laughs> i took a lot of solace in things like name dropping Fortnite, thinking about her grandma during sex just the weird phrasing of some things not being able to learn keyboard shortcuts this this one is kind of cute but also gets a meme this is when fen is sneaking out with eric so romeo and juliet he took she took a moment to squeal into a pillow then compose herself before she pulled up the blind and opened the window hey he whispered smiling OMG, he is so hot. See, like, I was not even, like, amused by that. I'm just, I just thought this is bad writing. <laughs> yeah, I kind of enjoyed, I, I needed something. <laughs> I needed something in all of this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, like, no, I, I think your rating is, like, super valid. It's just, that's just not how I interpreted, like, these things. I was just, I was just like, this is bad writing. Yeah, yeah. it's bad writing, but... I had a little bit of fun at some parts 
with mm-hmm. how bad it was. I think that the town slut in the bathroom at the diner, I thought that she was funny for no reason. I thought that, you know, dr- name drop. I already said these things, I'm drunk. But like, <laughs> it's just, I found some parts of it funny for reasons. I get why mm-hmm. you were like immensely frustrated. But I think I found it so funny because I was so immensely frustrated that I, just, oh, okay. I needed something. You're so valid, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Me, I was just powering through this based on frustration and knowing that we had to record an episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'm going to lean towards like my higher ranking, and that's 0.7. And a lot of that, too, is because there is no murder in this book that has the word yeah. murder in the title. <laughs> I, uh, I'm so mad at this book. Me too, honestly. Like, you came in hot saying, like, you hated this book. And I just was like, oh, like, it just sucked. It was a bad book. Now that we've gotten through this episode and we've, like, really talked about it, I really do fucking hate this book. Yeah. (laughs) I always feel bad when we, like, seriously bash a book. Because, Mm -hmm. like, authors work hard. They really do, yeah. Like, Beth Corneliuson, how many books have you written, Beth? You've written a surprising number books oh my god there's five pages of this on goodreads oh my god that kid showing 30 distinct works that's more than i'm done feeling bad for beth beth clearly makes her money whether we like it or not yeah so like good for beth to, to be honest girl secure that bag good for you but at the same time this book is trash sorry yeah. beth maybe your other books are better maybe we'll come back to beth one day and be like you know what Here's the thing, if we had read uh, Innocence Nine Months Scandal first, would we be like, Danny Collins is a hack? Yeah, because we didn't like that one. Yeah, no. It just so happened that we read the first one first. Yeah. I feel like if we read Virgin to Redeem the Billionaire second, Danny Collins would be redeemed as well. Yeah. Because that was objectively good, as opposed yeah. to other things we've read like this. This For was real. just bad. It was. Objectively, it was bad. I just, why publish this? Gotta meet a quota. What redeeming qualities does this piece have that Harlequin was like, yeah, let's publish this. Because let me tell you, if this is the standard, it's only a matter of time before I get published by Harlequin. For real, same, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think that, like, maybe you and I should work together to make, like, the perfect Harlequin book. Oh my gosh. That, there's an idea. I mean, wasn't that kind of the plan for this podcast anyway? Yeah, like I said in the first episode, I'm a critic as much as I am a student. So even books like this and books like If I Break, everything really is just, it was a learning experience. Yeah, I admire that Beth Cornelison got a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I respect that she has a Stephen King amount of books under her belt. Good job. This one wasn't very good. I hope some of your others are. I want to yeah. read Kidnapping and Cameron Glenn. Because I care about at least one of the characters in that book, Fen. Yeah. Maybe she gets some characterization. Who knows? Maybe Eric shows up. He won't, but maybe. Maybe. Maybe Eric kidnaps her. Oh, spicy. It's just, yeah, where it's like, yeah, shout out to Beth for clearly finding success in this field. Mm -hmm. This was was a, a flop. It was just not good. There was no good part about it. There is nothing I can say to somebody to recommend them to read this book. Like, I there, I can't say anything good about it. I wouldn't even recommend this book to be like, this is Mimi, to be honest. Yeah, even though no. I think this is the highest Mimi rating mm-hmm. I've ever given. 
I would much rather hand somebody Wildfire Griffin because that is a good book and it's Mimi. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I use this phrase in every episode, but I really mean it here. This is one of the books of all time. It certainly is. I wish I was reading Vladimir again. I wish I was reading If I Break again this week. Oh, God. See, at least If I Break was like, it had like shit going on where it's yeah, like, it oh, this juicy. is so dumb. Yeah, it was juicy. So I'm like, all right, well, it gives me something. And at least there was like sex in it, you know? This yeah. gave me nothing. Yes, girl, give us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was me this entire book. <laughs> I'm just so mad at this book. It's just, it's so frustrating. I can't wait to edit this episode and to publish it. And three months from now, you know, spoilers to our audience, by the way, we recorded this on June 20th. Three months from now, when this is published, I can't wait to never think about this book ever again. Ever. Oh my god. How could they do this to me personally? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck this book. Fuck this book. Sorry, Beth. But Sorry, fuck Beth. this book. Okay, respect for Beth. Zero respect for this book. Yeah. Anyway, so Nicole, let's talk about next time. Next time on the Three Little Words podcast. So it's my turn to choose. So I was about to take a shower the other day. And for some reason, because my brain is always on this podcast now. Same. <laughs> are there any romance novels about meteorologists? So next time we're going to be reading Sunny Says by Jan Hudson. Um, Don't let the Amazon listing fool you into thinking this book was published in 2012. This book was published in 1991. So we're going to see what the hell is up with that. A book that's older than both of us. Exactly. Yeah. Exciting. That. I think it's, it will be the oldest book we have read. Yes. Including our bonus episode that we have not yet recorded, uh, but will be have been out for like three months by the time <laughs> that we by the time we put this episode out. The timeline. Yeah. Oh, so fucked up. You've created a time paradox. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next episode we will be reading Sunny Says by Jan Hudson. Looking forward to it. I hope it's better than this one. It would have to be. I feel like odds are we're not going to get a lot of books worse than this one. Probably. Knock on wood, crossing my fingers. <laughs> I kind of said that about If I Break, but you never know. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, we are uh, at the3lwpodcast. If you want to follow me personally, Claudia, I am at punkdike, P-U-N-K-D-O-I-K-E. And I am Sexy Pagliacci, that's S-E-X-Y-P-A-G-L-I-A-C-C-I, the sad clown. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nicole, it was a pleasure as always. Regardless of the book, book, it is a pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely. Recording was a pleasure. Reading was not. Yep. Higher hopes for next time. So we'll catch you then. Thank you for listening. See you next time.
4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. Andrew, Andrew, what are you doing? Oh, hey, Marn. Uh, so I'm playing through an alternate reality game, and there's a number station puzzle that we just can't solve. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I tried everything else, and I figured that the best way to solve it would be to get into its head and think like a number station. I've been saying numbers into microphones for hours. Okay, well, I, I think I have a better idea. What's that? You could just listen to the Argonauts podcast. Every two weeks, I could let you know the ins and outs of old args and give you a deep dive on how they were created. Uh, do you think we could like have a nuanced discussion about game-making philosophy and how cultures around games have changed as well? Yeah, and you can definitely continue to fail to solve old args along the way. Well, it sure would be cool if that was a podcast you could find to bung with a bunch of other great shows over on the Moonshot Network. You know, it sure would. <laughs> well, cool. Thanks for the invite. Uh, anyways, I'm going to get back to this, though. 23. 19. Okay. 